This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 123. I'm Nick Howell. And not as ugly as Ronda Rousey's Twitter game, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome (laughs) to the show. It has been an absolutely insane week this week, Nick. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about this week. There's a lot of swerves, a lot of changes to what we thought was happening going on in WWE. Uh, specifically, there's also stuff we got to talk about in New Japan and NXT. Is There's a lot going on, so we really don't have time to waste introducing everybody to the show. We're going to get right into it and get to all of these big hot topics, but first, let's do some housekeeping, Nick, and then we'll start running down all the madness that happened this week. Yes, as quick as possible. If you'd like to come join us on Facebook, come over to the Busted Wide Open discussion group, send us a join request, get right in there for weekly Chat topics, uh, threads on all of the main roster shows in WWE, as well as the live chats that we have going now for all pay-per-views, including the upcoming Fastlane on March 10th. Make sure that you're in the group and ready to go for that one. You can also find us on Twitter at BWO Podcast, YouTube at YouTube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. And if you love our show and want to show your support, you can find awesome reward tiers over on Patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those and get access to ask us listener questions right here on the show, as well as get access to some bonus episodes. Yes, sir. And with that being said, we're going to head right on over and talk about this week's Big news. Well, AEW has announced their second pay-per-view already. They haven't even had the first one yet, <laughs> but they've already announced a second pay-per-view in Jacksonville this huh. July called Fight for the Fallen. Yeah, and that's pretty much all the information that they've released so far. We don't even have an actual date, I don't think. It's just they just said July. Uh, Cody tweeted it out. And just based on the information that they've given, the fact that it's in Jacksonville, the fact that it's called Fight for the Fallen makes me think that it might be something to do with veterans, U.S. military veterans. Uh, The fact that it's in Jacksonville, which is the home of the Jaguars, which is where their owner, Tony Khan, uh, so might have access to an arena or something. I don't know. They might have a place to put it. So, yeah, that's pretty much all we know about it so far. But as you said, they haven't even had their first one yet. But at least, you know, I think it's smart. They start stacking up 
events in the future so that we know that you know they're going to be doing stuff and not just one-off shows here and there. So right. I'm. It'll be curious to see how the pieces fall into place for that. Uh, we thought it was big news because pretty much anything AEW these days is big news. Uh, everyone's talking about 30 AEW. days just for AEW. Oh my god! I'm, I'm going to you heard it here first. I'm, I'm going to AEW. No, no more BWO. I'm going to be an announcer for AEW. Damn it! If anybody knows any uh, wrestling uh, savants that would like to join the Busted Wide Open podcast, please reach out to Nick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I, that or I could... You turn I could, code on me. You're going to hang out with Conrad. I could do double duty. I mean, Kenny Omega is doing New Japan and AEW. You never know. We could have one of those open contracts. Traitor. Uh, in, other, in other big news, Arn Anderson, one of the members of the Four Horsemen, was fired by WWE this week. He was working as a producer behind the scenes. Mostly what we understand is he would work uh, on making matches and as kind of like an agent uh, position. But right. uh, he was fired this week. The reports say that there was an incident at a house show. He'd been apparently on Vince's shit list for a while for whatever reason. They weren't getting along. But there was an incident at a house show that sent that set Vince off and made him upset. And he and Arn got into it and Arn was let go. And apparently. All but, right, then. Yeah. Apparently backstage people formed in a bit of camps because a lot of people liked Arn backstage. And some people just took Vince's side, and some people were like, well, oh, but Arn's great. So a little bit of drama there, but uh, they closed ranks, so we didn't really get any more out of it. But uh, you know, be on the lookout for Arn to show up somewhere in a podcast and hopefully explain it, or maybe he'll just keep quiet and keep the business to the business. You know, I'm not sure, but uh, one thing I am sure about is Arn Anderson to AEW! Yeah. Arn, <laughs> you heard it here! One in doubt. Oh, my God. One in doubt. Everyone to AEW. Uh, but and also another release news. So Arn was released, but brought back into the fold was Bruce Pritchard, brother love himself, mm. uh, who has long had a good relationship with Vince McMahon. He's going to be brought in as kind of like a lieutenant position from what we understand, uh, working with creative on the show. I, I, don't, I don't know. How do you feel about Bruce Pritchard's coming back, man? I, I'm torn. You know, here's what I'll say. I got to meet him at Podcast Movement last year and see a session that he and Conrad did. Uh, kind of off the cuff, talking about podcasting in the wrestling business. And while it was mostly about podcasting, it was there was a lot of talk about it. What you have to realize is whether whatever you think about Bruce, that is a treasure trove of behind-the-curtain wrestling knowledge. D- decades of wrestling knowledge are in that man. Sure. So I, the, the, his ability to potentially write and produce is probably pretty high, or at least advise Vince on angles so that, you know, I I like having a little angel or devil, depending on your perspective, on Vince's shoulder, checking him every now and then. And I don't know if he's had that lately, uh, outside of Triple H, who's been very busy with NXT brands around the world. Maybe that's a reason that we've seen a lot of the stuff that we've seen over the last year. But I don't know. eh, I'm not a huge fan of the show. I love his knowledge of the business. And that potential that it brings, and yeah, I, you're torn as well. Yeah. You're torn as well. Is what you're saying, you can see the yeah, the basically upside and the downside. Uh, Pritchard definitely has his own peccadillos as far as how he likes to book things, and I don't always agree with them. But then again, I don't I don't always agree with Vince McMahon, and sometimes I don't agree with Triple H either. So uh, obviously, you know, I don't work in the business, so they got a right. much better mind for it than I do. So it's at this point, it's kind of just sit back and relax and see what Bruce brings to the table. Uh, Lord knows, after after listening to Jim Cornette break down Raw and SmackDown over the last couple of weeks, part of me kind of wishes they would listen to Cornette, but at the same time, Cornette also has his peccadillos that I don't agree with. So, what you going to do? The devil you know versus the devil you don't. Uh, welcome back, Bruce Pritchard. Let's see what you got. Show yes. me what you got. 
Uh, also, as we mentioned the last couple of weeks, we had some other releases. Hideo Itami is gone. They finally confirmed that. Ty Dillinger asked for his release, and he is gone. Also this week, TJP from 205 Live, the first modern-era cruiserweight champion, uh, apparently had a mutual agreement to leave the company as well. He was, uh, it was nothing to do, he, the rumors was it was because he got a tattoo when he wasn't supposed to. He says he had it cleared. It was just, they had nothing for him going forward and he was kind of sick of how they were using him and it was a mutual thing. So TJP also future endeavored this over week. a tattoo over by the WWE. No, apparently it wasn't that that was the rumor. Was it a tattoo of the AEW logo? You know, I, I don't believe it was. But uh, that being said, we're going to announce right now, TJP to AEW! TJP to... You heard it here first yes. on the... Uh, that joke's never going to get old, is it, Nick? Uh, it's already kind of getting old, yes. It is. No, it never gets old. <laughs> All right, but Nick, we cannot, we cannot dawdle. There's too much to talk about. As big as the big news was, it's not even... Uh, it's, there's a lot of other big stuff to talk about. But to talk about it, we do need to start talking about Monday Night Raw. Roman Reigns makes opens Raw after a seemingly endless uh, video package that just went on forever. Roman Reigns come, music hits, and out comes Roman Reigns to announce that he is now in remission. Yes, that you made it much less dramatic than he made it. <laughs> you just got right to the point. He took about 15 minutes to, to wind up the crowd and soak in the, the new adulation. That's probably the most positive response that guy has ever gotten when he hasn't come out with the shield. Like Everyone chanting for him and cheering for him. He made the rounds uh, on the fans around the ring, family members, everyone cheering for him, everyone happy for him. As you can understand. As was I. As, yeah, happy to see him back. Uh, I have to officially say, Nick, I'm, I'm going to take this moment. <clears throat> I'm so happy for Roman Reigns. Yay. Yay. All right. Yeah, all right. <laughs> take it while you can. Uh, and no, it's true. I, I am very happy for him. And it's funny because this story, there's there was a couple of big swerves on Raw. There's a couple of big stories on Raw. And we had the option to put this or the other big story first. And we, I went with this because this is just, it is a feel-good story. And this is a guy who, yeah. you know, cancer, cancer, this is an understatement of the century, cancer's no joke. Cancer and, sucks. Fuck cancer. And, and leukemia, I don't want cancer. leukemia is no joke. And I, I, there's, we're going to get into an aspect of this that might be a little uncomfortable to talk about in a second here. But I, I want to start off by saying that it is really, really heartening to see someone recover from cancer like this and to have the happy... It's not an ending, obviously. It's a, it's a happy marker point in his long-term story with fighting and battling cancer. So right. this was uh, definitely a feel-good moment. It was an emotional moment. Uh, it was good to see him back and best wishes to him, and, and he definitely had a lot of positive things to say. Uh, and stepping out of that and looking at it from like a wrestling standpoint, from a, from a uh, performance standpoint, I have to say it was fascinating to watch the difference, not only in the crowd reaction, but in how he reacted to the crowd. One thing that has been a long-term criticism of his, uh, that a lot of people have levied against him, is his inability to connect with the crowd. His, he always felt kind of aloof. Even in interviews where he seemed like a regular down-to-earth guy, he would then say something like, I'm in this for the money, or you know, the, something along those lines that would make him feel a little elite or, or separate. 
right? You never really felt yeah. like you could connect with the guy in the way that you wanted to. Not so here. I don't know about you, but this is the most human he ever felt to me. Sure. You know, maybe second only to the announcement in October that he had to leave for to go through treatment. Good so, point. Good point. Yeah. So it was it was fascinating to see from that standpoint. And I guess the only question I have is, will he be able to retain that connection to the crowd? Because it certainly was a, a very refreshing new way to look at Roman Reigns as a guy who is human. You know, he's been built up as this kind of superhuman guy for so long by booking and by Vince that to see him as being a guy who's human, it makes him more engaging and it makes you want to see him, him succeed. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to look at a guy who is, you're being told is the strongest guy on the roster, but then he's being booked as an underdog and everything. It doesn't really, it doesn't compute. But when you see a guy who is literally faced with his mortality and come back and say, yeah, I kicked out at two on cancer, it makes you, it makes you, really appreciate the guy a lot more as a person yeah yeah so you know whether or not this was intentional uh this was i think probably the, the best way you could ever imagine for roman to get over as macabre as that is sure but how does it how does it play out long term i mean let's let's look at this objectively yes we're all happy that the guy survived but if we bring it back to the rest the business of wrestling and sports entertainment sure can this endure? Well, let's Can this say, kind of over overture endure? Worst case scenario, let's say Seth Rollins loses at WrestleMania and then Roman comes back and wins the title at SummerSlam. I think people will be sick of him all over again. Now, you know, I'll, I'll call it a spade a spade. I think that it's this is he's getting a pass and a gimme right now because we feel bad for him. But it's not going to take much to remind people of where they were six months ago with him. And I think that they have to be a little bit careful about that and not push it too hard. Although, I've got some news about that coming up that's that's kind of ironic that I'm saying that, uh, and a little scary, but we'll get to that in a second. I just I want to I want to address one thing that's out there. I want to get this out of the way, and this is the, the kind of the elephant in the room, and it's an ugly thing, uh, and I, wanna, I want us to address it and then move on. Okay. And that is that there have been a number of speculations online that this could all be a work. That the whole idea of him having quote unquote leukemia was someone backstage's idea to get him over. And that absolutely no way. I, uh, well, and this is that's my take as well is that, you know, the, the, I, I've got, I've got a worst case scenario for what I realistically think it could be. I can't imagine them being so insane as to concoct this entire story. Just to get Roman sympathy, I, I can't you've got, imagine. You've got TV deals on the cusp. You've got a long-standing, regardless of what you feel, think about it, a long-standing relationship with Susan G. Komen. You've got all kinds of business dealings in place with millions and millions of dollars online. This is that would be the well, worst possible thing you could do. Let's be clear: if it came out that this was all faked, it would be absolutely devastating to the WWE. They would not; it, they would never be able to recover from this. I would never forgive them for it. I mean, I, I, that would be something I don't know if I could come back from. If well, I let's not even that. mention the make a wishes that they do all the time. Jesus. Well, again, like I said, it'd be devastating from the ground to the top. It would be yep. just the work. They would have to. It would have to be such a fundamental. Uh, restructuring of that company for them to ever come out from under that shadow if that came out that it were true. The the rumor, obviously, completely unbased on, unfounded on anything 
other than how seemingly convenient it was that Roman went out when he did and came back when he did so quickly in right in the middle of WrestleMania season. It, it do, I have to say, stepping back, it does seem ridiculously convenient. But that being said, that's how you get flat earth theories and the moon landing <laughs> conspiracy theory. Oh, that's the same kind of mentality that gets you that. So I'm not even going to... Bo uh, Dallas lizard people in the center of the earth. You know, I'm, so I'm not... Bo Dallas probably thinks it was fake. But <laughs> but the, no, I, I, all joking aside, like that's, it's, that's completely wrong-headed thinking. Unless you have some sort of basis for to you know to to base that on, it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm not going to give it any more thought than to mention just as a as part of this story, the Roman Reigns stories, that it is out there, and how I don't think that that's the case at all. The worst case scenario that I could imagine that they would create as far as like a a work on this. Is that he? You know, he did have the leukemia diagnosis. It was back, but it wasn't serious. They caught it extremely early. I can't imagine that after being diagnosed with it, you know, how all of them all these years ago, that he wouldn't be keeping regular tabs on himself. Especially also, you know, with the regular WWE checkups. I can see them catching it early, having it not be incredibly serious, and with the amount of money and access they have to health facilities in the WWE getting some incredible treatments and kicking its ass really quickly. I can see all that and having them dramatically overplay it by through, uh, through omission, if you will. Right. So by, by not saying, you know, because Roman didn't say how serious it was. He just said, I've got leukemia again. Boom. That's it. And everyone's imagination can run wild with it. What if it wasn't serious, but because they didn't say how serious it was, we all were like, Oh God, he's on death's doorstep. He's going right. to come back bald and 120 pounds. You know what I mean? No, we just we all assumed. Right. So we jumped to those conclusions. And when he comes back, as you saw on this Monday Night Raw, it was a very kind of long, drawn-out moment until he finally said, I'm in remission. He's, uh, he's, you could see it in his face. He's lost a little bit of mass. He's yeah. lost a little bit of you know, muscle tone. But other than that, I mean, no. And from what I understand, there, there's been a lot of this kind of counterpoint stuff online as well from like the leukemia foundations around the world, all kinds of stuff, just saying, no, this is totally possible and realistic. Not every, no, you you don't don't automatically lose all your hair. Yeah. Well, chemo is not automatic when you have cancer. There's tons of other treatments. So yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of counterpoints to the theory that it was all fake. Um, like I said, the most Which it I was could, not to be clear, the most, I, <laughs> right. The most I can imagine is them just upping the drama aspect of it, which honestly wouldn't surprise me if they did. And frankly, it wouldn't be the first time that they amped up drama on a real angle, uh, a, a, you know, a, a real angle that might be tasteless. If you take a step back to think about it being made into a work, but again, you know, fine. They need to, they need to sell their program and the entertainment aspect of it. They're all entertainers that they live and breathe that every wrestler wants to make every aspect of their life into a wrestling angle. It, it makes sense. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. If that's the extent to which they, they worked this particular uh, issue with Roman in October, when he made the announcement, he was the universal champion and had to relinquish the title in order to go to treatment. Do we see him somehow? come back before WrestleMania to get a shot at, I'll do air quotes, get his title back? So this is the other aspect that I was going to mention. 
they're already advertising that it's going to be Roman and Seth versus Drew McIntyre, Corbin, and uh, Bobby Lashley at Fastlane. What? They're already advertising that match. Roman is already apparently coming back uh, to work a match at Fastlane. Now, keep in mind, it's a tag match, so they can protect him. He'll probably hot tag like he did with the Shield. Uh, stay out. You know, Seth will probably do 90% of the work. Roman might sell for a bit. So it's not it's not unreasonable to expect him to come back that quickly, but it's still like, wow, they're rushing him into the ring. And it wouldn't surprise me if given some of the stuff that went down on Monday Night Raw, if he had a match at WrestleMania and that match was something to do with Drew McIntyre or that little faction thing that's swirling around him. So it wouldn't, you know, I could see Roman and Braun versus uh, Corbin and, and McIntyre or something like that. Sure. So I could see it happening. I could see Roman being at WrestleMania. Hopefully, though, they won't they won't sideline Seth and bungle that whole angle because of him, because that would definitely turn fans back to <laughs> booing Roman again. So and I, and, and probably would it would piss me off too. It would be yeah. it would be silly. But uh, speaking of which, speaking of all these other angles on Monday Night Raw, speaking of silly, speaking well, <laughs> eh, what the silly. hell is going on with Dean Ambrose? Uh, yeah, this is weird. So first of all, Roman gave the announcement. Seth met him at the top of the ramp as he came back in. They had a really emotional hug. It was a wonderful moment. And later on, Seth was interviewed backstage saying he's happy to see Roman again, and he's gonna he and Roman are gonna crack open some brews, although not in those words. Meanwhile. Dean Ambrose came out and asked for a rematch with Drew McIntyre after he lost to him last week. Only this time, no DQ. But he came out and interrupted Elias, which wasn't a good idea because Elias came out in the middle of his match with McIntyre, hit him with a guitar, and everyone started beating him down. He had Corbin and uh, Lashley come out from the back too and a big old scrum in the middle of the ring. And then Seth and Roman came out for the save on Dean. Now, Dean was definitely acting, I don't know if, I mean, did you feel like he was a face here? Was Dean acting faces? Yeah, completely acting face this week. He re- he made a Temple of the Dog reference, and that makes ACDC him a face to me. references? Oh, yeah. Temple of the Dog makes him a face to me, but that's, you know, <laughs> that's just me. I wonder if he's gone hungry. Oh, man. Nick, say hello to heaven, would you? Um, <laughs> all right, now that we're done with that awful stuff, I don't know, man. If we start doing these Temple of the Dog puns, it's going to be an all-night thing. Right. But uh, so at the end of this match, you had Dean Ambrose lying crumpled in the corner. And uh, Seth and Roman fighting off everybody else. Again, Roman speared Drew McIntyre, which makes me think, you know, Drew and Roman might be heading into something. But uh, Seth and Dean walked away. Uh, sorry, Seth and, and Roman walked away from Dean up the ramp and kind of gave a glance back at him, but they didn't really, like, quote, save him. So was this a shield tease? An- yet another shield reunion tease, do you think? Yes. <laughs> Are you okay with that? Yes. Really? I am. You are a big Shield fan. I know that. I was a big Shield fan. Uh, I was a big fan of the reunion, even though they bungled the hell out of that. It it is just an attempt to get Roman over, is what that ended up being, when actually it worked more for Seth than anybody. Well, it started out Um, being. Right. Um, but but I with him coming back from treatment with the uncertainty of his future that is still kind of lingering, they haven't really like is he back for good? Is he back for a month or is he back for WrestleMania and then he's got to go back? I, I don't we don't know. Nothing was has been explained uh, or or stated. So I could as as much of a travesty as the Raw Tag Division has been for I, as long as I can remember now, it would not be a bad thing to have the Shield back together. Now that and and with Seth not really other than the Universal Championship match at WrestleMania, which I'm not convinced he's going to win yet. I, I, do you know what? After this week, 
the three big title matches that everyone's looking forward to. Seth and Brock, Becky and Ronda, and possibly Charlotte, and uh, possibly Kofi, possibly Kevin Owens, and possibly Daniel Bryan, whatever's happening over there. There is nothing certain with any of those. Let's be clear. Nope. The, all of those are up in the air. <laughs> and and so, and all three if, faces if, are not going to win. So No, no. If that doesn't work out, Seth really doesn't have a title picture to swim around in anymore because the Intercontinental has moved on to Finn. So it's it's one of two things. Does the Shield get back together or does Seth go back after the Intercontinental again? That Intercontinental can come off Finn real quick, and you know that as well right. as I do. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, and again, I don't really... I You say the tag division. The tag division has enough trouble as it is without having another... Uh, you know, top guy, and I use that ironically, top guy, uh, you know, singles team put together to dominate the division. I don't think they need that at all. But mm. I am wondering what's up with Dean. How is is he trying to play hardball with this with the contract thing, which he says he's going to be leaving WWE after WrestleMania? Uh, is that why they're kind of jobbing him out? Or are they trying to tempt him back with the shield and letting him do what he wants and letting him be, have a little more creative freedom? And possibly we end up with the Shield versus, uh, we go back to November or, or October, we get the Shield versus uh, Corbin, Strowman, and Lashley at Fastlane. Right now it's just, you know, Roman and Seth, but could it be the Shield? I remember Uncle Dave saying something uh, end of last year that uh, and there was a, somebody asked him, hey, what was the plan before Roman made his announcement for uh, for the Universal title? I think he said it was Ambrose. It was Ambrose and Roman. Yeah, that's what he was yeah. saying. But, you know, plans change. Right, Uncle Dave? Right. Uh, but that being said, I don't see, because Dean's not a heel anymore. Or we don't know what he is. He's just, he's just, a, he's a lunatic. We don't know what oh he God, is. Oh, my God, he's unhinged. Yep. So we'll see what happens with all of that. Some strange stuff going on in that, in that part of the WWE card. And that upper mid card is just, it's chaos. And there's so many guys jumping around, bumping into each other and that. We'll talk more about that later. But you got, we got 10 days to figure it out, guys. Shit. <laughs> but, uh, well, They've never hot-shotted things before, Nick. I can't believe you. No. Uh, let's move on to the other big story of Monday Night Raw. And this one was a doozy that caught everyone by surprise because everyone was so focused on Roman Reigns. And they knew we were going to have a Ric Flair 70th birthday party. But what they didn't know is they were never going to get a chance to see Ric Flair out in that, uh, out in that arena because as they, as they had the, the whole nice little thing for Rick, they had everyone was out on the top of the ramp, all the superstars, and you had Triple H and Stephanie in the ring and were talking about how great Rick was. Let's bring out some superstars who are, who are part of Rick's past. Oh, here's Shawn Michaels, and oh, here's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It's cool to see him and like kind of interacting with all the other wrestlers at the top of the ramp. And here's Sting. They brought out Sting. One of the greatest rivalries of, in, in Ric Flair's, uh, a couple of the best rivalries in Ric Flair's history. Uh, let's bring out Arn Anderson, member of the Four Horsemen. Oh, wait. Can't bring out Arn Anderson, and Arn Anderson anymore. But uh, yeah, so it was a nice little, nice little thing. It looked like it was going to be a nice big moment for Rick. But then when it was time to call out the Nature Boy, he didn't show up. And we cut to backstage. And what the hell? Who is that dragging that cameraman towards that door? Who's that going into Rick? Flair's dressing room, and he's dragging Rick out by his shirt. He beat him up. He beat him up. He knocked him down. Who is it? It's Batista. What? It's Drax the Destroyer just destroyed Rick Flair and looks right into the camera and goes, do I have your attention now, Triple H? Batista returns and calls out Triple H, and the show goes off the air with Rick Flair laid out in the hallway and Triple H attending him 
and Batista being nowhere to be found. Who's I guess he really was upset that James Gunn's not going to make another Guardians movie. But, oh, well, he's got nothing else to do now, so I guess he can right, come back. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. So, all this aside, we kind of saw when they had the Evolution reunion last year that uh, there was some tension between Batista and Triple H. We thought it might be building towards an angle at WrestleMania. Uh, we were worried because Triple H injured himself back in Saudi Arabia, was it, where he had the pec injury in the, yeah. in the tag match with him and Sean versus Undertaker and Kane. We were worried he wasn't going to be rehabbed enough for WrestleMania. Apparently, he's, he's saying, I'll be fine. Because this Batista and Triple H angle is going forward. Uh, are you excited to see Batista Triple H at WrestleMania? I want to be. I really do. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm there yet. We haven't seen enough yet. Uh, I'm interested in seeing if Batista is any more exciting than he was during that Daniel Bryan run. Because he was pretty kind of over it. At that point, well, that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot of other factors there, man. Sure, but <laughs> again, we haven't really bridged that gap yet. Uh, I don't know what has happened since then, and he just shows up for a hot spot right before the trademark and the camera cuts. Yeah, I worked. Uh, it, okay, it worked for me. Uh, first of all, I sure. thought I thought his taking out of Ric Flair was was chilling. Like it, it, it was actually really. Kind of disturbing how the whole thing went down. Why? For the audience members that might not understand the background there. Well, first of all, because they were buddies. They were they were in a faction together. And so Batista is an old, you know, running buddy of Rick's, according to storyline. But more because that's a 70-year-old man and Batista's a six-foot-five beast. And he just, you know, obviously he... Okay, it's wrestling. But he dragged this guy out by his, you know, jacket in the hallway and the way that it was all done very quiet and very assassin like you know it was it was it definitely felt like it felt brutal it felt sudden uh and unlike a lot of things that don't always connect for me that connected the, the triple h sold it really well he sold it like he was genuinely concerned for rick rick sold it like he was actually really hurt it all worked really well for me and you need to sell what batista's coming back here because are we getting Blue Tista again? Are we getting the old beast? Are we getting, uh, you know, smiley, happy, go lucky face Batista? I'm so happy to be back. Or are we getting smug Hollywood Batista? Smug Hollywood Batista. What? Well, they just told us we're getting psychopath Batista. It looked like we were getting smug Hollywood leather jacket sunglasses Batista. Well, when he came back for Evolution, it did. But now, you know, what he showed here was okay. He's going to be a kind of a psychopath, and I dig that. I dig what they're showing here, especially because it would be taking the easy route to say, hey, here's this guy who went away and became a, a big international movie star, and, and he's very popular, and he's known for comedy mostly. You know, He's obviously done a whole bunch of more serious acting, and he is, I think, the most serious actor to come out of WWE in a while. Um, you know, John Cena kind of he plays more of the smiley, happy stuff. He's been he's done some acting stuff, but mostly he's still, you know, the kind of cartoon or like the smiley, happy dad or whatever, the selling hefty bags. And, sure. and The Rock is The Rock. He's an action star. Batista's been off doing like actual acting roles, except for Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, but that's all. Blade Runner. The whole opening of Blade Runner. Oh, was it was his. fantastic. But that, that was, was a great scene. So good. But he already plays the heavy in a movie. You know, but here's the thing. He's, he feels like he's more of a, a legitimate actor than those other guys, right? So it's a, he has the ability to turn his perception from the, you know, happy, funny Drax the Destroyer thing to kind of the more serious Batista that he plays in a lot of his movies, and it will work. And I'm glad that they did that as opposed to trying to make him, 
you know, the popular movie star coming back to WWE. They're actually keeping him as a character. So I like that. Okay. And I think, and it also, it's, it's really nice to see Triple H work face for once. Yeah. I'm interested to see how much of the uh, the old evolution angle they tie into this whole thing with, you know, I, and I thought it, for those that don't know that Triple H, Batista, Ric Flair, and Randy Orton used to be in a faction called Evolution. One of the strongest, fa- like strongest booked factions of all time, as you can imagine exactly. by that roster. Yeah, uh, but and it, it was it was mid two thousands, and it was they ran up, and then they reformed during the Daniel Bryan run up for his championship run four yeah. or five years ago. Daniel Bryan had so, to go through three of the four of them to win the title at WrestleMania thirty. It was one of my most memorable WrestleMania moments of all time. A lot of people. And so I'm interested in seeing if they if this is a you messed up evolution or you messed up that Daniel Bryan thing. How much old bad blood is going to be worked out or or angled here right. to make this interesting and not just some kind of legends exhibition <laughs> that's going to happen at WrestleMania? How much fourth wall will be broken? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, I'm here. Let me. I'll put, like I said, they have my attention. Uh, we got to move on. We have a lot to get through, and and uh, not happy a lot of birthday, Ric Flair. Happy birthday, Ric Flair. May you, may you recover quickly from your beatdown at the hands of Batista. <laughs> yes. uh, so we had a match, tag match: Ronda Rousey and Natalia versus two members of the Riot Squad. That's namely Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan. And this was a match. Pretty much all I can say about it. It was fine, but uh, the real story is that. Becky Lynch came out of the crowd. She was she had been told if she shows up again, she's going to jail. Well, she showed up out of the crowd after they uh, after Ronda and Not- uh, Natalia won the match and tried to get at Ronda, tried to beat her with her crutch again. That didn't work. Both ladies were separated, and Becky was put in handcuffs and taken to jail. Oh, they actually put her in handcuffs this time. They actually well, they got a nice close up on it this time, Nick. Right, just to make sure that we got the message. Yes, this time they actually brought handcuffs. So once again, Becky taken off in handcuffs. Only this time she was apparently, quote unquote, arrested and taken away. But this led to Rhonda, after the after this all went down, getting back in the ring, calling out Vince McMahon, but getting Stephanie and saying, I want Becky back in the match at WrestleMania. I'm going to kick her ass. I'm sick of this. And I want to I want this now. Like, I want the best. She's the best. She's pissed me off. And uh, Stephanie saying, no, I'm not going to give it to you. And Rhonda, in response, laying down the women's championship and saying, basically, essentially saying, fine, then I'm not your champion. She's in or I go. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So let's break and since down. it wasn't explicitly said, I'm curious as to if that's what she actually meant. Well, and later on, we saw Stephanie and, and Hunter in the back looking at the title and going, what do we do now? What do we do? So it seems like Rhonda has perhaps temporarily abdicated the title, which is interesting because you know, Charlotte later on in the week said, uh, if you need a champ, I'm here. So it'd be interesting if they made Charlotte the champ and Rhonda and well, Becky. So didn't chased. Alexa Bliss. That's, yeah. Well, <laughs> one of them is going to work this match and one of them is not. I'll let you figure out right. who's who. So was this, was this angle and how, you know, we'll, we'll we won't discuss Rhonda's vocal performance. Cause once again, she kind of bungled the mic work a little bit, but she was intense and her intensity, along with the point she was trying to make, I think sold it better than she actually did delivering it live. But do you think this idea of Rhonda laying down the title because she felt it was worthless if they didn't give her the opponent she wanted, do you feel that's a good angle to get Becky back in this title picture? It seems to be all getting kind of convoluted, but does this work for you? 
Yeah, I just needed to be delivered better, honestly. I, if, I, if I look at it objectively from a booking standpoint, it's a great angle. It's a great way to do it. It's a great way to tell the story. Sure. Um, it, you've got the WWE Universe all over Becky Lynch. Now you've got Ronda, your champion, basically demanding, giving you an ultimatum uh, over that. And the ultimate dick heel move would be to just be like, all right, Charlotte, you're the champ. Congratulations. <laughs> and all of a sudden... We've got we've got the triple threat that everybody you know thinks yeah. that we were going to have. The alternative to this is that Becky gets reinstated, but Ronda gets punished and doesn't. But I don't I don't see it playing out this way. Mm. We and we end up with Becky Charlotte at WrestleMania for no, the women's championship. No, no, no. I you know no. no. I, I think your first idea is much more likely. Uh, I could see Charlotte having like a fluff match. Versus Lana for the title and, you know, something like that <laughs> and just being kind of gifted the title and then both Becky and uh, and Ronda have to chase. So I could see that. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how this develops again. Like you said, the delivery wasn't great. The package they put together for SmackDown, they, they recut some of Ronda's lines. It sounded a lot better. I could see this being a good angle moving forward with this. I actually I like that. It's it's it, it again. It's a little convoluted. They're throwing a little too much at this angle. Uh, but at the same time, I like that it's not just cut and dry. You know, if they're going to have to make it, if, if they want to make it a triple threat, fine. Give me something interesting to go with it. And, and I have to say, I was engaged with most of the angles all week on both Raw and SmackDown. They did a lot of good stuff this week. So I will repeat something I've said previously over the last couple of weeks. Ronda feels like the sore thumb in this whole thing. Um, I, I, I want this to be Stone Cold versus Corporate Rock all over again. And and that's kind of what it feels like it, to an extent, but I, Ronda is kind of the 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 fifth wheel well, in this whole picture, and I'm wondering how it's going to play out. Honestly, I haven't figured it out yet. I'm I'm invested in Ronda being in this because of her in ring talents. It's certainly not because of her mic talents, which are hit and miss, and it's certainly not because of her Twitter talents, which I've mentioned earlier at the top of the show. Because if you haven't been keeping up with Becky and Ronda on Twitter, it's abysmal. Becky is 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 fun. She's always been a fun little shit talker on Twitter, but she and Rhonda have been going at it and Rhonda cannot stop breaking kayfabe. And it's actually really annoying. Like I understand they're trying to do the fourth wall thing, but she's not doing it in a smart way. She's doing it in a really dumb way uh, where she called uh, the, she, so Becky had some prison photos, like quote unquote her booking photos when she went to jail, and they were right. pretty obviously taken in the back hallway of the building. But Rhonda, <laughs> Rhonda called it out on Twitter that they were fake, and they were taken in the hallway, and uh, and then Becky said, "Don't use the f word," meaning fake. And Rhonda says, "Oh, you mean fake? You mean like your nonsensical BS quote armbar that doesn't even work, and it looks like you're holding the dick you wish you had." That's a quote from Rhonda's Twitter. Wow. So Becky responded, and, and Rhonda posted that with a picture of Becky putting the armbar on Rhonda. And Rhonda selling it, by the way. So I'm sorry, it's a fake armbar, Rhonda, but you're selling it in the picture that you posted. So Becky responded with a picture of, uh, of Rhonda's husband, of his face on Rhonda's fist. So it looked like his face was the head of the, you know what I'm saying. Uh, and Becky says, huh, it does look exactly like one now that you mention it. And Rhonda coming back to that with Rebecca Quinn, I don't care what the script says. I'm beating the living shit out of you the next time I see you. Rhonda, this is not WCW circa 1999. You're not Vince Russo. Stop acting like him. That is all. So anyway, yes, yeah, so that, that is the only fifth wheelness that I feel out of Rhonda is where she's not quite up 
on protecting the business right now, and that's yeah. And, and I'm not I'm not with you on her in ring ability yet. Charlotte and Becky, I'm totally oh, fine with. Oh come on! Every time she has uh, a match, know, you tell me how much you, you like her and how much she's improved. Just, come on! Uh, Don't backpedal now. It's we, apples and oranges compared to those two. And we she's have just recordings a different style. of you. We have recordings of you saying it, Nick. That she's getting, that she's improving. That she's yes. great. That she know that you really like her. That no, you, like Charlotte is great. Oh, Becky is my great. God, she's getting better. She's not on their level. Don't you fake news this, man? You've absolutely said that Ronda's fantastic in the ring. I'm gonna go. I'm okay. gonna go find this. I'm gonna go find. All this. right, I'm gonna. listeners, challenge. Go go find me saying how much I love Ronda in the ring. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Listeners, challenge. Moving on, we've got uh, back to the tag division. Alistair Black and Ricochet versus the Revival this week. Last week it was DIY. Once again, the rival goes. The Revival goes 0 and 2 against the new call-ups from NXT. Now that we know what we know, I'm okay with this. Let me explain why. Okay. The Revival are going to be fine. The uh, Raw Tag Division is a mess anyway. The Revival are going to be fine. This is. It's kind of something. I guess we we're, we're doing this chicken and egg style, but we we now know. That there is, there are tag teams being formed for the Dusty Classic on NXT. Yes, and now it all kind of makes sense what's been going on over the last two to three weeks with these call-ups. Well, to clarify, I think NXT basically ran cleanup on this hot shotting on Raw. Yes, I'll just agreed. I'll insert that real quick. Or they had it taped way in advance, and they knew the plan all along, and whatever. Uh, we now know that uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano have reformed as DIY. We'll officially. talk about that more in, uh, in the NXT section. But yes, officially. And we also now know that Aleister Black and Ricochet are teaming up as they've been winning tag matches uh, the last two weeks. So with this one, I think the Revival are fine. I think this was necessary not only to kind of ex- get, build some excitement, even though they completely bungled it initially, uh, on on Raw and SmackDown around these new guys, and they're going to take that collateral back to the Dusty Classic, and it's going to pay off in spades, and it's going to be even bigger when they bring them back up after the whole thing. I agree with you that this is probably going to ultimately build momentum for the Dusty Classic, but at the same time, is this the best way to do that and and help all these four guys? Like, did you have to have Alistair Black and Ricochet beat your tag champs? There was no one else you could have them beat. Like former tag champs, like I don't know the guys who are watching this match in the back, Gable and Rude. I'm just saying, like to me, this was not the best way to handle all these guys. At least, well, we've been calling the dark DIY reunion for months now. We we we've, we've kind of saw that in, or you know end of last year kind of thing. Sure. That I'm I'm kind of okay with. I don't like the way they've executed it. I wish I think they could have done better. It feels rushed. They rushed something that was very organic and real. But with with Alistair and and Ricochet, I. No, they need to be singles guys. This yeah. tag team thing just uh uh-uh, uh. Well, no. they sh- let me put it this way. They should have been they should be singles guys on the main roster and if they want to tag team in NXT, that's fine. Also, you shouldn't sure. have them in awkward backstage segments, but we'll get to that when we get to SmackDown. At least they're not talking over Alistair's entrance anymore. At least someone got the memo. And Alistair was was making fun of them all week on Twitter about all that stuff. So at least they're being quiet now until he gets down to the bottom of the ramp. 
like they do in NXT. So someone well, got them. You, in case you caught the Hulu edition, they cut came back from the commercial break, and he was already walking down the ramp. You didn't even get to see the entrance. Oh, they did. I had to go back and look for it. Yeah. Oh, no. So if you watched it live, you got to see the whole thing. If you watched it on Hulu, you he was already halfway down the ramp when oh, they came Jesus. back. Because, of course, it him, was him rising from the mist is, is not going to get him over at all. <sighs> okay. Anyway, it was... It was that's, that's like cutting out the gongs of Undertaker's entrance. Yeah. Seriously. Well, that, there was an era where they had to do that to, to cut for time. Anyway, better this week, but still, I, I, you say the revival will be fine. I say they need to rehab those guys pretty quick after ha- going 0 for 2 in two weeks. The revival are a metaphor for the entire division, frankly. <laughs> That's a very salient point right there. <laughs> uh, we also had a moment of bliss with Finn Balor. Once again, Alexa Bliss hitting on any male superstar she has on her show relentlessly. Uh, this was interrupted by Leo Rush dejectedly coming out and saying Finn didn't deserve the Intercontinental title. And Finn basically talking circles around Leo Rush until he t- basically tricked Leo Rush into giving him a match uh, for the Intercontinental title. It was fairly competitive, but ultimately Finn beat him down, picked up the win over Leo Rush, who then went in the back and got yelled at by Bobby Lashley before Lashley's match with Braun Strowman, which never got started because Lashley and Strowman just started attacking each other, and there was a big big brawl, and that was that. That was fun. All of this, I thought, was entertaining. Not all perfectly executed, but I don't expect that anymore. Um, but that being said, there was a lot of good stuff to like here. I liked the way that Finn seemed like he was very cool and, and smart. I liked the way that he dealt with Leo. Leo sold everything really well from you know his, his mannerisms and how he felt about Bobby Lashley not having faith in him, uh, the way that Finn tricked him, the way that he felt having to go to the ring for this match, and the way that he sold Bobby Lashley's berating of him after this. Who, by the way, Bobby Lashley's berating was great on his part too. There was a lot of good character stuff here. So no, I, I really have nothing bad to say about this other than it looked like Finn rolled his ankle a little bit coming down on the coup de gras uh, on Leo. That was a little concerning. I keep an eye out for that. I'm okay. not sure if it's real or not, but mm, that could be. Uh, mm. Are we still seeing Finn versus Lashley at WrestleMania? Because they're obviously keeping them somewhat in the same orbit with this Leo stuff. Or is this I honestly just- don't know. Um, I remember if you go back to like January or something, I said, I don't see Lashley being in the intercontinental picture by the time we got to mania and I, i'm still not completely sure it's not going to be somebody else versus balor for the for the title well maybe it's leah rush you never know i don't think they'll do that again he just beat him clean no. on tv but well, sure the, but again like you know, talking about the braun and lashley match here also talking about that you know we mentioned earlier how this upper mid card is just stacked they've got so many guys and they all kind of bounce off of each other on a week-to-week basis which on one hand is really good. It means you have a lot of good characters and a lot of guys who you're keeping strong. But on the other hand, it's hard to keep track of. We don't know who's feuding with whom. We don't know what the relationships are with who. Who's, it does, and because they have this 50-50 booking, we can't keep track of wins and losses. You know, we don't know who's getting, quote, momentum. So it's... it's you know, but I, so to counterpoint, I actually kind of like that because I miss the days when everybody just wasn't after a belt. That we actually had feuds, that we actually had disputes. There were programs there that were that were just developed over time, and dudes just generally didn't like each other, right? And and they just they wanted to fight and settle their differences in the ring. It a belt didn't matter to an extent, but you had your belt title pictures and you had your feuds and your programs. I like that we're kind of getting back to that a little bit because for a long time it felt like. Everybody going for a belt, and then everybody else was irrelevant. Yeah. 
And I like that we're kind of bringing the middle class, the mid card back into things a, a little bit, you know, just circling each other instead of a belt. I agree. And, I, and that's an aspect I do like of it. I just wanted to clean up a little bit, I guess is all I'm yeah. saying. But I did like yeah. this, how this whole, this few segments rolled into each other. I liked and the level of interaction you felt between all the different members of the WWE superstars. So that aspect I liked of it. Did uh, we end up booking anything for Braun and Lashley at Fastlane? Not yet. Not okay. yet. I, like I said, I think we're, they're waiting to see where the chips fall with Roman. Uh, probably announce it next week on Raw. So a couple of other things before we move on. Kurt Angle, who also was involved in the Ric Flair birthday celebration, had a match where he beat Jinder Mahal. Uh, Jinder was also involved in the Ric Flair segment, but it was all kind of silly, and, and I didn't really feel it was worth discussing too much. Nobody cares. Uh, at least Kurt's back winning matches, and he looked, he looked good against Jinder. Uh, okay. We had a backstage segment, which you're probably sad that you missed, where Heavy Machinery was, uh, well, let's see, actually, the Ascension was making fun of Otis to Tucker, and Tucker said, don't let him hear you say that. Well, Otis overheard, and he beat the crap out of both the Ascension boys, so we'll probably see a, <laughs> a little program where Heavy Machinery beats the crap out of Ascension for a while, because that's just, not what, mad at that. that's just what Ascension does. Of course you're not. It's Heavy Machinery. You're just happy to see them do anything. And then, happy to see Ascension doing stuff, too, honestly. Well, poor guys. And then finally, we had a match where Bailey whipped Nia Jax in a very short period of time. Okay. Okay. Sure, that happened. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. So that was Raw this week. It was uh, overall, I'd say, a very solid show. But so was the other show we have to talk about right now, and that is SmackDown Live. Well, we really kicked things into gear with this show. <laughs> Holy. That, I, that was a swerve at the top of this show. We opened this show with what was supposed to be a contract signing between Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. And Daniel, the hottest superstar in WWE right now for the last two weeks. Him and, him and Becky and Seth, uh, the three biggest pops in WWE right now. Daniel Bryan is already sitting in the ring with, with Rowan by his sides. Stephanie and, and Shane are also in the ring. And out comes the New Day to universal applause and adulation, Kofi chants. And this was a really, I thought, a very heartwarming moment because, man, Kofi's still over as hell. Yeah, good luck, Charlotte. Wow. Way to represent. Wait, well, good, I think, good crowd. Yeah, everyone saw Louisiana last week and was like, we can do better than that. Yeah, no shit. Um, <laughs> except for Arizona on NXT UK. Anyway, I, I, I digress. So Kofi gets into the ring. Everyone's still chanting for him. He's got that great baby face. I'm just so happy to be here expression on his face. And it feels genuine, which means we connect with him. He sits down. Daniel Bryan signs. Kofi gets ready to sign. And out comes Vince McMahon Uh-oh. to interrupt and say, you know, I, I, I'm doing what's best for business. Uh, you, you all people, you deserve the best box office ever. And so I'm going to give you the best box office ever. I'm going to give you the new challenger to Daniel Bryan. Kofi's out. And who's in instead? Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is back. And he takes Kofi Kingston's spot at Fastlane. I want to not like this, but I kind of like it. Here's, I, I want a full disclosure. Dude, I kind of like it. No, you're, you're spot on. There's a lot of reasons to like this. One, because what a brilliant, what a brilliant way to piss people off and get people even more on Kofi's side. Kofi sold this brilliantly, by the way. He looked like he had his heart ripped out. All three members of the New Day, for that matter. Well, I mean, Xavier and Big E were just losing their minds at Vince. Yeah, it but was they, awesome. Uh, they were kind of overselling it, I think, and there was they kept yelling the same thing to make sure the mics caught it. You know what I mean? Uh, that was... Uh, I could have take, taken or left that, but 
Um, I, but yeah, Kofi sold it brilliantly. And I like the stare down. Kevin Owens came out. He wasn't, here's what's interesting. Kevin wasn't a dick about it. He just kind of came out and sat down and stared down Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan stared him right back. Daniel Bryan, by the way, was brilliant in his silence and quietness and stillness during this whole scene as well, by the way. The one, the one moment that really stuck out to me was when at the top Stephanie threw a jab at him where she said, and uh, introducing our WWE champion sitting in this lovely leather chair, all leather chair, and Daniel Bryan looks like someone peed in his chair when she said that. The expression <laughs> on his face was brilliant. But uh, no, getting back to the story. So, so yeah, Kevin Owens now supplanting Kofi at Fastlane. Do you see this as a way, I, this, I mean, this is a rhetorical question. Do you see this as a way to get Kofi to not have to face for this title so he can face for it at WrestleMania? Or are we, checking, are we looking at another triple threat here? I think we might be looking at a triple threat at Fastlane. Is the, I think we've got oh. another go. I think we've got another go home show next week, and I think Kofi Kingston is going to ask for a chance to beat Kevin Owens. And if he beats him, he gets inserted in the triple threat, and we might see something crazy happen at Fastlane. Mm. I don't know. This could get very interesting. Very yes, Kofi is going to be in the match at WrestleMania, <laughs> hands down, hard stop. It'll be interesting to see how he gets there. I, I and I, how Kevin Owens circulates around this whole thing. Right. I this is this just got this all got a lot more interesting. Before I was I had to admit I was a little bit despairing for Kofi because I figured he was going to lose at Fastlane and then Kevin Owens was going to come back for a match at, at WrestleMania and possibly win. But the fact that they now inverted that I think is a much better way of, of looking at it, even though it's kind Agreed. of it's it's reminiscent a bit, and they even called this out a couple of times on this show. How this angle is echoing a little bit what's going on with Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda, with another you know three, like someone coming out and being inserted into a match, and someone else being taken out. Like Vince did the exact same thing with Becky and Charlotte. So it seems like there's something where they just, they just can't find a more creative way to do it. But at the same time, the ends also to me here justify the means. You could have found a better way to do it. Same time, it was the right decision. Could, I mean, point of order here. D- did Vince just, did Kevin Owens headbutt him so hard that he just forgot about it? I liked that they actually referenced the headbutt on the show. Like, <laughs> how could Vince pick Kevin Owens for this after the headbutt that he took last year or whatever it was, uh, two years ago? It, it takes a man to reach for that kind of brass ring. I tell, well, you know, that's, that is kind of Vince's character, I suppose. But yeah. that also raises the question what is Vince's character? Is this the beginning of a, a storyline with Vince where he keeps making these unpopular fan decisions? Because wasn't that what he was saying in December? We're going to listen to you guys now. We're going to give you guys what you want. And twice in a row, Vince has not done that. He's basically said, I'm going to give you a bigger box office. I'm going to do what's right for you despite what you want. So is, there, is this a storyline they're working on or are they just incapable of doing something that subtle? Nick crazy fantasy booking alert. Uh-oh. I think this might be an even bigger long-term thing that ultimately leads to Triple H taking over. And I think it might be something to do, you know, we could be a year out from this, honestly. Or, you know, we're we're 6 to 8 months away from the the network's transition, right? October-ish is from what we understand. I'm wondering if there's going to be something that leads to Vince versus Triple H. You know, I uh, part of me hopes you're right for the company. You know, yep. uh, just something stupid, crazy like that to to make the exit so dramatic that we'll all remember it for all time. 
And I, it, because what's he going to do? Go, ah, I'm retiring. See, ya, I'm going to go run XFL. Yeah. No, it, it, Vince ain't going to go out like that. So yeah. I'm wondering if all of this back in January was this was Triple H saying we're going to listen to you. You are the authority. And now Vince is coming out making all these little hot shot changes, and and Hunter's going, "What are you doing, dude?" Yeah, see, that's we that's, the, we that's the situation with the call ups, and now these two uh, hot shot changes. I'm seeing something in meddling in the background there, and it's it's giving making me raise an eyebrow. I that's kind of what I was hinting at was that that might be the case, and I hope you're right. I just don't know if I believe that WWE is capable of that kind of long term storytelling at this point. I I hope they are. That would be wonderful. But I, I cross fingers. I'll cross fingers. Uh, moving on, we had a tag match later on the show, which was weird. Kevin Owens asked to have a match against Daniel Bryan and Rowan to ta- and tagging with Kofi. So this is, again, I think they're slowly turning Kevin Owens' face here. We've been suspecting that they've been doing a face turn for Kevin Owens for a while. That could be what they're doing here. It also makes sense because he's facing Daniel Bryan at Fastlane that they want to have him as a face. Um, and this was a, it was a fun match. The, real, the thing is, I was watching the entire match wondering what will happen at the end. Who's pinning who? And what will Kevin Owens do? Will he turn on Kofi? What's going to happen here? Kofi seemed dejected the entire time, sold it all really well. But sure enough, at the end of the match, Kevin Owens seemed like he was being friendly with Kofi. Uh, so to me, this all reeks of Kevin Owens being given a face turn. Yep, totally. And it just builds more into Kofi saying, look, I, I, you know, I want a shot on the go-home show next week. Give me a shot to beat Kevin Owens. And if I prove to you that... I'm a bigger baby face than he is, and you insert me into the match at Fastlane. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to happen. I don't even see that. I, I see this just as, as a way to delay Kofi to WrestleMania so that he doesn't have to lose at Fastlane, and then Daniel Bryan doesn't know one at WrestleMania. But right. we will see. Uh, that being said, another interesting thing in this match, Daniel Bryan kicked out of the pop-up powerbomb, but then ate a stunner to get beat. Is Kevin like, Owens really is, well done Stone Cold Stunner there? Well, that was awesome. Kevin Owens has long said he loves that move. Stone Cold has given him his blessing uh, before to use it. So I wonder if, along with his face turn, we're getting Stone Cold Kevin Owens. And we're, <laughs> I'm not kidding because aren't those aren't the videos of him that he was sending in as like the preview of him coming back? They all were kind of very much like you know working man, normal guy kind of videos. Wouldn't it be interesting if all of a sudden Kevin Owens came back as like the blue collar kind of guy and, you know, sw- swigged a beer every once in a while and his finisher was a stunner. I could see it happening. I could too. I could, that could definitely work for him. Uh, finally, we have to talk about the Rowan shirt watch, the Eric Rowan <laughs> shirt watch. This week it was Ensiferum, uh, which, by the way, another obscure folk metal band <laughs> from Finland. So I'm one that I actually played two weeks ago at my Metal Monday night at uh, at the bar. So nice. nice. So well done, Rowan. Keeps on picking out the quality shirts. I like this. Uh, Thank you for supporting we'll, uh, indie metal bands too. We by will the way. continue. Well, yeah, he seems to be on a, a very specific genre of metal right now. So let's see if he branches out. Uh, I would love to see uh, some other crazier shirts but has I, he done an amana marth shirt yet he, that was the first one he did first one that was the yeah. that was the okay, very I, thought, I wanted to be sure the very first shirt that we talked about on the rowan shirt watch was an amana marth shirt because it gets it gets no more viking metal than amana marth it really doesn't <laughs> it really doesn't i'll see if I, i'm curious if you'll ever do like uh ale storm not hail storm by the way ale ale storm pirate metal let me see if he gets that <laughs> uh so next we had charlotte we she cut a promo another lovely promo 
uh, in which she drew comparisons between what's going on with her and what's going on with uh, with Kofi and Kevin Owens. But this was another extremely strong uh, promo from Charlotte. And I was really happy to see this. It's it, She did a good job of being totally alone and building this angle with her and Becky and Ronda. Once again, putting herself over as being the queen, saying she should be champ if Ronda doesn't want to do it because she doesn't quit. She's not a quitter. So and she, and she was just uh, a general heel, smarmy, slimy scumbag, and I loved it. It's exactly what we want her to be. Yep. She's I have no issues with this whatsoever. Wonderful. Ride that horse all the way to WrestleMania, please. Wonderful. Wonderful stuff. Uh, we also had a surprise match. It was supposed to be Johnny Gargano versus uh, Cesaro this week, but that was scuppered uh, for reasons unknown, although we suspect it might be because of a Ciampa injury, which we'll talk about in our NXT, in our NXT segment. But uh, this week, instead, we had the bar versus the Hardy Boys. Matt Hardy, once again in action and uh, looking a little bit more limber. Not a lot, but a little bit more limber than he has. Pretty, pretty cut up, too. I was impressed. Damn, dude, you've been hitting the gym. Been hitting the gym. Uh, I'm not sure how well his surgery has went. Like I said, he still kind of walks like a grandpa. It's cr- he's, you know, he, he's, he's not woke Matt Hardy now. He's swole Matt he's, Hardy. He's, sw- he's, un- <laughs> he's unwoken Matt Hardy. He's yoked. He's yoked. <laughs> Yoked him. Yoked, yoked Matt Hardy. Yoked Matt Hardy. <laughs> anyway, uh, isn't it crazy? Let's just stop for a second. Is it? This has been said a million times. I'm going to say it again. Isn't it crazy that Jeff Hardy's the one that still moves like a normal human being after all the stuff he's done to himself? He's yes. the one that looks normal out there. I remember. I remember watching him back in the day in the TLC matches and be like, "That boy's going to be in a wheelchair by the time he's 40," and here he is moving better than his brother. Crazy. I'm sorry. Uh, with 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 this revelation, I, I want to throw something crazy out there too. They could still save the the broken slash brother Nero obsolete angle. They could now that he's back in the paint. They could still do something here. And I'm wondering if if was this just an exhibition? Is Matt back? Because I had heard he had transitioned to a backstage producing role, a booking he did. role. He did, and his contract so, was, his contract was supposed to be up in 11 days, and he tweeted something about. Uh, possibly wanting to move on. So part of me is wondering if this was their way of being like, no, Matt, stay. Look, look, we'll get you on TV. Mm, okay. Because uh, well, we don't want to be announcing. Stay tuned. We don't want to be that announcing be on this show. Matt Hardy to AEW. Matt Hardy. Not yet. Oh, Not yet. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. Not yet. Sorry, sorry. Just I'm so used to do. I'm so used to doing that now. Uh, we also had a tag match. Again, Ricochet and Aleister Black versus Rusev and Nakamura. This was, this was okay. I, was, I thought it was better than okay. It was a lot of fun. I, honestly, it's sad because I would have taken Ricochet or Aleister Black versus Nakamura as a dream match two years ago. And frankly, versus Rusev, I'd have been excited about. Now they've defined Rusev and Nakamura down so much that it's kind of sad. Yeah. And sure enough, they both look... I mean, they both look fierce in this. Don't get me wrong. Like They both hit some big spots. And it, they did make it... Uh, they booked this match well. So that it looked like Ricochet and Black were really strong, but that the numbers game of Nakamura and Rusev just got the better of them one-on-one. Uh, and Nakamura and Rusev were a little bit smarter in terms of tag team wrestling. So I liked how they made that dynamic, even though ultimately Nakamura missed a Kinshasa and ate a Black Mass and got pinned. I like this overall. I just don't know if I want to see this regularly because I want... Nakamura and Rusev to be a stronger tag team. So, I don't want them to be a tag team. 
Well, if they have to be a tag team, they should be a dominant tag team. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? That raw to va- the tag division, though, man. <laughs> the tag division on SmackDown, at least. Is- or even on SmackDown is, is okay, but it's kind of full and popular right now. Where are they going to be a tag team? I- honestly, these two guys have no business being a tag team together, in my opinion. I have a feeling. They, they, are, they are single superstars that need to be single superstars, and both of them should be either in premier feuds or title pictures, if not both. I have a and feeling. And the fact that they're being relegated to Goo, uh, uh, Rude and uh, Gable land is kind of frustrating. Rude and Gable. But at least they were champions. Rude and Gable were champions. Exactly what I was going to say. And just wait till the Shane and Miz thing breaks up at Fastlane and watch how quickly Rusev and Nakamura get into the title picture versus the Usos shortly afterwards. You heard it. Ah, you heard okay. it here because they do listen and they will listen to that and think it's a great idea because it is. <laughs> Uh, next, it is. <laughs> thank you. Uh, next up, the U.S. title was back on TV. Our Truth came out and talked about how his idol was John Cena ever since he was a little boy, as ever since <laughs> a little baby, which is brilliant. <laughs> he had a bunch of brilliant lines here, man. Uh, so he he said that he said that he loved the open challenge. He was going to have an open challenge, and out came Andrade Cien Almas. To the ring, but he didn't get all the way to the ring because Rey Mysterio jumped him from behind and jumped in the ring himself. So our truth was faced with two angry guys in the ring who both wanted a shot at his title. And he turned to Carmella and said, Well, what would John Cena do? And Carmella said, Well, John Cena would take on both of them. To which our truth replied, Damn, John Cena's a brave man. <laughs> all right. All right. All right, I'll, all right do it. I'll do it. This our truth is just gold. He's just gold. He's a guy who, like, he's a perennial kind of loser. Even though he won this match, he did actually end up winning this match in a, a quick, like, schoolboy roll-up of, of Rey Mysterio for the surprise win at the end. I mean, it was a great match, too. But he won in the roll-up at the end and, like, scuttled away, like, surprised himself that he won. He's he's so money. He's so fun and funny and entertaining. He is the entertainment and sports entertainment where he can go out there and put on an entertaining athletic match and I'm entertained the entire time. I never take it too seriously. But at the same time, I'm not mad at not having to take it seriously. No, this was great. I had a blast. And it just feeds more into that Andrade Cien Almas versus Rey Mysterio feud that we want more and more of. Yes. Fight, hashtag fight forever. Yes. And I love the, I love the fact that Andrade, again, looked like just a mean, vicious heel. I loved that Ray looked like, you know, just a very strong face. Even when he got rolled up, I loved the way he was grinning at R-Truth as he left. He's like, all right, I see. Okay, you got me. All right, well done. I loved how this all was played. This was one of my most entertaining matches of the week. It was so well worked because you had Ray and Andrade doing incredible Ray and Andrade things. You had R-Truth also stepping up his game and looking great in there with them. It was all good stuff. I'm like, if you're going to finally bring the U.S. title back after an absence, this, yes, give me this for a few weeks. Absolutely. And if this ultimately, yes. if this ultimately means Andrade versus Ray at WrestleMania for the U.S. belt, I'm in. All in. All in. Wait, not all in. No, 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 not, not, no, no, no. we're not going we're to, not, they're not going to AEW. Oh, no, God. Uh, finally, AJ Styles had a promo this week where he said, yeah, he's fallen off a little bit. It's still the house that AJ Styles built. He was interrupted by Randy Orton, who said, "Really, you built this house?" Essentially, ah. So are we are, do we now getting a bit more of an idea of where AJ is headed towards WrestleMania? Are we going to see AJ versus Randy Orton? And if so, is that a good idea? I can get behind this. Really, I can get behind this. I, you know, I'm of late, probably ever since the House of Horror match, which I, I'm 
scared. Oh to even God! Br- why would you? I'm scared to even rebring up this plan in people's it? heads. Oh. I, I've kind of that and oh. the Jinder Mahal stuff. Oh. Uh, oh. The Punjabi prison match oh, as, a, as a double whammy. What a year oh. that year was for Randy. I've kind of been down on Randy since, and he kind of that would that ruined Randy Orton for me. That why year. would you bring up those matches, Nick? Why don't you just slap a puppy? Because I want people to remember how bad he's had it. And I think he's due for something fun. And I think AJ can give him the kind of match that will remind us that the legend killer is the legend killer. So I, I am not mad at this. I think it's a good feud for AJ. I think it's, you know, it's two completely different styles. <laughs> Pun intended. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. Never mind. Uh, anyway, this could be a good program for AJ. Let's see how it plays out. I'm not hating on it yet. No. Okay. I, I'm kind of with you. I'm... Cautiously, skeptically optimistic. optimistic. There we go. There you go. I'm skeptically optimistic. So we'll see what happens there. (laughs) So uh, overall, a very solid week for the main roster. Lots. What a turnaround! Lots of interesting angles going forward. Some great swerves, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do on the go home shows next week, which we'll be back to talk about. But in the meantime, we still have Nick a metric shit ton of stuff to talk about. We have so much left to talk about. We've got NXT 205 Live. New Japan had a ton of much to talk about in New Japan. Plus, we've got some listener questions coming up, some great listener questions coming up in the wide world of wrestling. We're kicking things off as we always do over in the yellow brand NXT. We open things up with Johnny. Is it Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Champion, Johnny Failure? Which one this week? We don't know. Oh, Johnny Gargano comes out to the ring in a sort of kind of a face moment that we haven't seen from him lately. Uh, but in the uh, in the interim, says, uh, yeah, thank you guys. I haven't been able to get it done. I got the belt, but I, I didn't keep it very long. And the crowd started chanting Johnny failure. Uh-huh. I thought that was an interesting moment. But out comes, in the middle of all this, he was starting to say, what I realized is I haven't been able to get it done. I haven't had success. Ch- Champa's music hits. Yeah. Good, good timing on the interruption. Really well done. Yep. Champa comes out and says, I told you, Johnny, we're just we're just better together. Better together, Johnny. You want to be with me, don't you? You know that I'm the only one that can help you get it done. <laughs> That's right, Johnny. Don't don't listen to them. Listen to me. I'm your friend, Johnny. That bald bastard! That son of a bitch! Oh, he's such a such an evil puppeteer oh! bastard guy. His beard is just I love awful and gangly and curly and gross. And just you just want to put some oil in he's it. Like and brush a, it he's but. like an extra from Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh. It's anyway. No, it's fantastic. So this this is all great. Johnny and uh, Tommaso officially reformed DIY after the success on Monday Night Raw, which they referenced. Uh, the only downside was Johnny got a nasty look from his wife Candice LeRae outside when the two of them came out together, and kind of like Candice is going, really, really, you're seeing her. You're seeing her as yeah. well. You're married to me. That bitch. God. God. So, no, all good stuff. Um, do you see them being able? Oh, and they also entered themselves in Dusty Classic. No surprise. There, I told you that there, that was going to happen last week. Yes. Do you? What? So, Hashtag spoiler alert, by the way. Here is the question. Can they pull off this story in time to bring them up to the main roster? Not till after uh, TakeOver New York. It's got to all culminate there, which we kind of know it's going to now because they said so on the show. that the Ciampa's whole plan was to reform DIY and, and win go the, win the Dusty Classic and, and TakeOver yep. New York. Yep. So what happens if they don't is my question. Do we finally get an end right. to the Ciampa-Gargano storyline? Can they pull that off in time? Do we have uh, enough time? 
this is not the way I really wanted it to end. To be honest, it's going too quickly. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit sitting that way. I wanted it, my wrestling. But but at the same time, I'm going. This this is probably not going to suck. This is probably going to be good. Yeah, you know, we we love DIY. Go back to you know revival and AOP days a couple of years ago. I mean, just Jesus. This is this is going to be fantastic. This NXT is on such a roll right now. They almost can't screw it up. Nick. Oh, like, God. It, it's, there's Nick. so much momentum Nick. right now. Oh, God. You knock some wood, sir. Skeptically optimistic. Skeptically optimistic. Not not they can't oh. screw this up. Not not this is going to be amazing. No, it has the potential to be amazing. It has the potential of paying off. Let's hope that they are able to do that. Yeah. Uh, also, this week on NXT, we had a tag match, a women's tag match. Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah are officially a tag team now. They faced off against the team of Tenara Conti. And Zia Lee, and uh, I have to say, the, I wasn't excited about this at first. I think the only woman, woman I'm actually excited about among the four of these is Zia Lee. Of course. Uh, this was a little bit better than I expected, but then there was just some, some mess in it, too. Again, this is the developmental brand, and this match reminded me that they are still developing these women. And to be fair... Three of the four of them have come uh, along a lo- uh, they've come a long way since the first time I saw them, and that's specifically Vanessa Bourne, Aaliyah, Tenera Conti, uh, Zia Lee, I think has been solid the entire time, but uh, she did not get she got a hot tag here, but then ate the pin after. Was that what was that finish supposed to be? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I'm glad you said that because I don't even know what what had happened there. There there were several moments in this match where I just I rolled so hard I almost fell off the couch. But at the end, I liked the entrances. I liked them coming down together. They're, they continue to work Vanessa Bourne uh, on her theme, on her entrance, on her yeah. wardrobe, on all of like she's getting a lot of attention. And I think they're really pushing, going to be pushing her at some point in the next year or two. But uh, who knows when? Zia Lee is just kind of, you know, she's cut from the cloth and ready to go, ready to work. The other two, I just, I don't. Uh, I I don't really know. I get but, the yeah. I get the sense that Zia Lee can't really work a match, very a very long match by herself. That she's still wrapping her head around how to create a match, but yeah. her move set and her her physical appearance and her the way she carries herself is fantastic. So oh, yeah. that's she looks like a star. She may not have all of the tools yet, but they're protecting her at least in this match they did. Whereas you know Aaliyah has the facial expressions and. Uh, definitely the attitude. Vanessa Bourne does too. It's just the the ring skills are still a little bit choppy. And then ironically, Tanara Conti, I think, is the best worker out of all of them in here. But her facials drive me insane, and I and I can't quite get behind her as a character yet. So yeah, all still lacking certain pieces here. But I, I'm glad that they're putting on them on TV so they can try to work out those kinks. Yeah. But I'm just curious to see if they're going to stay being a tag team for a while. If this is a permanent thing or just. They're throwing some singles together just to see what happens. So I think it's the latter. I, yeah. I hope so. Uh, we had a bit where Velveteen Dream was called out in the parking lot by Undisputed Era. Adam Cole saying that he's going to take the North American Championship back from the Dream, from the, Vel- the Velveta Dream. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out. I almost spit coke when they there said was, that. I was just, <laughs> yeah, Undisputed Era had a couple of lines here. Actually, it's funny because my big question from this bit was, are they becoming too cartoony? The undisputed era, like it felt like they were all jumping over each other, trying to get in their little funny one-liners, you know, calling him VD or or Bobby Fish, barely getting out. I think you're farting up the wrong tree, pal. At one point, like they felt like they're just trying to. And 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 by the way, 
the indignation at the end when uh, Velveteen Dream like walked away. And Kyle O'Reilly, who is a treasure, but I think completely went overboard in this one uh, with his overselling. Oh, I'm so mad as he was walking away. Are, are they becoming too much or is that part of their charm? Both. Both. I'll, I'll say both. I, I actually like them as the, the, a little, the little bit of comedy and, you know, sarcastic humor that they have and the little bit of the overselling that goes on. I did notice that they, they, that Adam Cole called out that there were the, the Bobby fish and Kyle O'Reilly were going to go after the tag championships and yep. not Roderick strong anymore. No, they did that last Ish. week. I think they made that distinction. Did they? Yeah. They made okay. The, I don't remember that last they week. They made that distinction a little it, while ago. To answer your question. Yeah. I, I like them like this. I, I want them to be the ones with the quick quips and constantly throwing little funny one-liners out there, but there's going to be a point where it goes over the line, and we, we almost got there this yeah, week. It, but was, <laughs> it was scraping at that line this week for me. I was like, ah. The, the, the pinky toe kind of dipped over yeah, that line a little bit, and yeah. I was just like, oh, God, that's bad taste, bad form. Nah, don't go there. Yeah, Pull it back. Pull it back. But yep. uh, Also, real quick, uh, uh, the great black otaku was in the background. Brendan Williams sighting. He walked by during this segment. If you guys don't know who he is, you can follow him on Twitter. Check him out on Up, 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 Up Down, Down. He's great. He's a lot of fun. He's entertaining. I think he's going to be a future superstar in NXT. So keep your eyes out for him. Yes. Speaking of keep your eyes out, did you feast your eyes on Donovan Dijakovic? Excuse me. Donovan Dijak. Damn it. Di- it's just Dijak. Damn it. Uh, versus Keith Lee this week. Uh, we, If you listen to the show for a while, you've probably heard us wax poetic about these two guys for a while. <sighs> We've been telling you guys to wait and see. We know some of their, their initial matches in NXT was there, there's introductory matches. This yep. was one where you started to see more of what these guys can do. They never got out of second gear. Hoss in this fight! Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> oh but, but a Haas fight with moves like some cruiserweights. They they never got out of second gear in this, which I'm fine with because this was obviously a sample platter. This was a taste like, hey, by the way, NXT, did you know what these guys can do? Here, here's a taste. Okay, now the match is going to end in a double countout. We had an Asai moonsault from Dijak. We had uh, Keith Lee getting a monkey flip and landing on his feet doing a front flip landing on his feet. We had some absolutely insane stuff from these guys in this match. That's a 350-pound man. Yeah. That just did a front flip. Yes. Oh. So what's what's also to note is if you're not aware of Keith Lee and Dijak's history is on the indies, these guys had a five-star match, a legendary five-star match at PWG. They were the tag team for a while, Monstars. They go way back. So this is, I think, WWE's little nodding way of saying, yes, we know these guys have massive amounts of chemistry and are can, can put on baller matches, and we're going to slowly lead you into this so when they ultimately go out there and go all out, you'll be fully invested. And I'm- There were moments at the beginning of the match where they were, you know, I call it feeling each other out in a way, and they would, they would do a move, and then they would just stop and kind of turn their heads and look eerily at each other. That was fantastically done. And I, I'm with you. They never got out of second gear because they needed to establish yeah. this chemistry yep. that, that they know each other, yes. that they're aware of. Okay, I, I see what you're doing yes. there. Okay, I'm on to you. And they did it brilliantly. And the double count out finish, 
after that moonsault, fantastic. I think, fantastic way to stall uh, a feud until we get to, to the next one. Yeah, end it with a big move. And also, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they were smart. They would keep these guys in some way in each other's orbit for most of their career in WWE, like a Sami Zayn yes. and Kevin Owens. Even when they're not together, you kind of think you, sh- you should be thinking about the other one in some sense. Uh, they just work so well together in that way. So I would love to have it. That I would love to to get to the point where NXT and the WWE as a whole thinks of them in the same sentence. Even if they go their separate ways, you can have them tag for a bit. They go their separate ways in a singles career. They're all you know whether one's face and one's heel or whatever they do, whatever the whatever the dynamic is, they're in each other's orbit because they really do. Uh, they they fit together so well. I think it's time for a big man to be NXT champion again. I'm just saying, <laughs> you and your big men. I'm just saying. Nick likes them big. Uh, we also had a big moment where Bailey and Sasha Banks re- returned to NXT as the what? inaugural WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. That place lost its friggin' mind. Holy crap. If you want a, a quick way of making those titles seem important and relevant, this was it because this felt electric. This was amazing. Like the, I, I've wow. not heard the the NXT crowd at Full Sail get that loud in a really really long time. Lost, they lost their minds, their damn minds. And even uh, Izzy was like in tears in the in the crowd. I love the fact that they called out with like the the moment at uh, the Iron Woman match where Sasha made Izzy cry, legit cry, because she was being so <laughs> mean to her. <laughs> I love that they called that out. Basically, they were there to say that they were going to defend those titles across all brands, including NXT. It made the titles feel like a big deal. It made Bailey and Sasha feel like a big deal. This was a fantastic segment, and I wish there was some way to translate this to the main roster. That's yeah. all. How, how, so we're now going to get a female tag division, a women's tag division in NXT? Well, again, we just saw a tag match earlier on. It wouldn't surprise me if they stayed, they had those tag teams roll forward uh, to face Sasha and Bailey. You still have yeah. Shirai and Sane as well out there, which we thought were going to be in the Elimination Chamber. But uh, yeah, there's a, there's there's a lot of talent done in NXT for them to work with, so that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, hey, our main event was a bit of a baller. Uh, we got Mia Yim getting uh, a shot at the champ, Shayna Baszler. This uh, this was as good as I expected it to be. I actually I really enjoyed this. It was it, it it oversold my expectations. This was better than I thought it was going to be. This was a, uh, this is this is why I was excited when Mia Yim showed up. Uh, yeah. Back off of her injury that put her down for a year. Uh, this is the Mia Yim that I was excited for you guys to see because we got to see her running around in the Indies, especially in SoCal for for quite a bit. But I'm I'm very excited uh, that she's getting this high of a a placement on the card. And man, she showed it. Yeah. Uh, if you guys did not watch NXT this week. Uh, go watch this match and go watch the Keith Lee Dijak match. But those two matches, I mean, wow. Yeah, and, and Mia Yim looked like a contender. She looked like she took it to Shayna. It was only an eight-minute match, which I thought was a little, sh- I, I thought was a little short. But they told a great story in the time that they had. That you had a beginning, a middle, and an end. You had injury ang- angles on both sides, and it just came down to who could grit it out more. Uh, I loved that Shayna had to actually modify her Kirafuda clutch to lock in Mia Yim's arms so Mia couldn't pull her hands off of her face. Like it was the whole thing was really well done. And I loved Mia Yim selling a leg injury to the point where like she never forgot it. She never like put full weight on it again once that leg was injured. Like it was a really, really well done sell. So no across the board, uh solid match. 
But that being said, ultimately, we're going to look back on it as being a stepping stone to reestablish that Shayna is a dominant champion on her way to her next title match, which will be a takeover New York against the winner of a match that was also announced this week, Io Shirai versus Bianca Belair, which takes place in two weeks. So I think Belair just had her shot. It's Io's turn. And Io has a strong chance of taking it off of Shayna, especially if what I think is happening WrestleMania weekend is going to actually happen. And that is the reformation of the uh, four horsewomen of MMA. Hello. Hello. Hot take. Hot take. You heard it here first. Hey, not to leave out the UK, guys. We need to talk about one thing real quick. Uh, that Walter Cassius Ono match. Hello. You know, what's funny is I actually, it was a little underwhelming to me just because I'm just, it was a lot of hard hits. It was, this was the true Haas match of the week. This Oof. was two big, oh, yeah. big boys beating the crap out of each other. I underwhelming. Have, I'm beside myself. I've, I want more. <laughs> I've seen better Walter matches. I've seen, but it was, it was fine. I was actually more impressed actually this week with the uh, Birch Lorcan versus Grizzled Young Vets tag match. That was a, mm. that was a fantastic match. And, so was the Tyler Bate and Jack Gallagher match that opened the show, which was basically a, a technical British match you could have watched from like 1968. It was <laughs> unbelievable. It was all ground-based. It was incredible watching these two guys work each other in this extremely technical style. It was a ton of fun. I thought it ended a little fast, but man, this was a fantastic match. That one I've got to go back and watch because I, I I just skipped straight to the Walter Cassius match uh, and I've got to watch the other ones. But you, I'm looking forward to both of those matches. Dude, actually, you you should. They're they're it's good stuff. NXT UK is definitely it's catching its groove again. The only downside of this show was it was recorded in Arizona and they're nowhere near as fun as that UK crowd. They were actually pretty dead for a lot of the stuff. There was even one poor bastard trying to start a uh, 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 a strong young boy chant for. Tyler and didn't even happen. It was kind of sad. So, but still worth a shot because of the of the brilliance of the matches themselves. Speaking of which, moving over to 205 Live, uh, we're going to rock through this because I got a lot more to get to. But we are into the tournament to determine the number one contender for Buddy Murphy's Cruiserweight Championship. Tony Nice had a match with Kalisto. He beat him and moves on. Tony Nice has been showing a lot of momentum lately. I'm curious how far he's going to go. Drew Gulak beat Brian Kendrick. Not too surprising there. And next week, we have Cedric Alexander versus Akira Tozawa and Umberto Carrillo versus Oni Lorcan, who's being, who's being called up to face Umberto Carrillo. I've been saying over and over, keep your eyes on Umberto Carrillo. Right now, he's being groomed by Jack Gallagher and Drew Gulak to be more of a ground worker and less of a flyer. I have a feeling that once he breaks away from them, he'll get right back into his high-flying ways. Uh, with uh, while also having established that he can work both styles. Carrillo is the guy who I say to keep an eye on in 205 Live right now. I think he is earmarked for greatness. Damn. So Buddy Murphy has announced on Twitter that he is uh, he will not be around for the next few weeks. He's going back to Australia because the champ does what he wants. I think it's more just because he needs to take a rest and also because they have nothing for him until they figure out who his number one contender is. So. Probably got to renew his visa as well. Just as that's a not, thing, because you, ha you have to do that. Might not be wrong. That yeah, That's a very good point. But uh, yeah, next week, I'm looking forward to that Carrillo versus Oni Lorcan match. That's going to be baller. Somebody might die match. <laughs> that's Oni's going to slap the dimples off of this boy. I, I feel oh, bad man. for him. That's hard to do because those dimples are intense. So 205, 205 Live, still very entertaining. I have a feeling that as good as this week was, and it was some solid matches, next week is going to blow it out. 
So keep hey, we had a uh, couple of guys in the BWO discussion group say that they went to SmackDown Live this week and uh, stayed uh, for the 205 Live tapings after that afterwards in Charlotte, and that the crowd was fantastic for them. So thanks for the uh, for the uh, update and uh, letting us know that stuff, guys. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, man, they had some good seats, and it was uh, it was awesome to see our guys at the show. So yes. very cool, very cool. Love hearing the uh, the the stuff, the the feedback the when live. you guys actually attend stuff at live. Yeah, the live feedback. Yes. Now, if you guys have any live notes, please give them to us, and uh, we will make sure to name check you on the show and let people know what your experience Spe- was. Speaking of uh, SmackDown Live, did you happen to see that uh, busted open poster uh, towards the front row? Oh, busted open. You mean the name of the podcast with Bully Ray that he totally ripped off from us because he couldn't use busted wide open because we'd already gotten it underway and we'd already uh, copyrighted uh-huh. it. So he couldn't use uh-huh. busted wide open. So we had to do busted open because Bully Ray's a ripoff artist, even though he's a legend, one of the greatest of all time. He's got to rip off a couple of saps who just want to put on a nice podcast. Way to go, Bully Ray. You really are a bully. Thanks a lot, buddy. I hope your podcast goes well. You bully, you meanie, jerk. EC dub, EC dub. Anyway, where were we? I'm mad. I'm mad now. I got excited for a second because I was like, "Oh my god, it's one of our fans in the in the show." Oh no, it's but oh, it's the Sirius XM show. Okay, never mind. Okay, we're we're a better show anyway. <laughs> Agreed. More hot takes, and we're more accurate with our booking. So, moving over to New Japan. We have to talk about a couple of things. For one, they had their Honor Rising show, which is their crossover with Ring of Honor. Uh, Some good matches, nothing really to write home about. There was a bunch of title matches, but everyone retained, except for Gorillas of Destiny, who beat Sonata and Evil for the tag titles, which is not too surprising. That's been an ongoing feud for a long time. So no need to really run through all of Honor Rising. It was a solid show, but again, nothing to write home about. That being said, we are days away Starting on March 8th, the New Japan Cup begins, and that is a single elimination tournament that's going on between the 8th and the 24th of March. They released the brackets this week, which will be tough to discuss because I can't really explain it to you guys. So I'm just going to have to talk about it in terms of A block versus B block. Everyone who's involved in A block, everyone who's involved in B block. Uh, Looking at it just really quickly, just to summarize, I kind of have to say uh, just my picks. It's looking like Ishii is going to defeat uh, Nagata, and Taichi's going to uh, to face Juice, and ultimately we're going to see Ishii advance to the end of that block unless Juice has some kind of crazy comeback over Ishii and moves on to the semis. But I can't see that. I see Ishii going to the semis, if not the finals, to be honest with you, Yeah. Uh, in A block. Um, but then again, he's going to have to face, I would assume, based on what I'm seeing here, either Okada or Osprey. So, and I would be down to see... Ishii or Juice facing Okada or Osprey. I'm happy either. I'm happy all over the place there. Not mad about that at all. No, sir. Uh, and the B block, it's a little bit tougher to pick because you've got a lot of big guys over there hiding in the wings. You've got guys like... Uh, in the if, first round, you've got Ibushi and Naito. Yeah, you're gonna get, we're going to get what? that. We're getting that out of the way right away. We're having uh, uh, Goto versus... Sonata and Minoru Suzuki versus Kojima off, off the bat, too. There's a bunch of big matches off the bat over Zack here. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Evil? What? Uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> Somebody's going to die in that one. Uh, so it's it's a lot of big matches over here. This is one where I don't think Zack's going to go two and two in two years. I think he's going to run up into either Ibushi or Naito and lose. Um, I think Ibushi or Naito, former winners of the cup, could go on. Uh, but they're going to have to go through Tanahashi. I, I can't see anyone taking out Tanahashi on his part of the B block. So I'm seeing on one side of the semis, 
either Ibushi or Naito facing off against Tanahashi. But we just saw Ibushi and Tanahashi at the G1. We saw Zack Sabre win it last year. So we could see Zack Sabre versus Tanahashi, I suppose. But uh, they're going to face off. Looking at the other half of B Block, it's really tough to pick. You know, Sonata, Goto, Minoru Suzuki are over there. Yanotoru, the living legend, he could go. He could go. Um, Togi Makabe could have a late era comeback. He's facing off against Colt Cabana in the first round. So it's t- really tough boom, to boom. see. Really tough to uh, to see what's going to be. Uh, it is worthy to note that uh, David Finley is out. They just announced he had a shoulder injury, so he's not going to be able to participate. They have not announced who's replacing him. So that could be a spoiler there if they get someone good to fill his spot. But, it's uh, always fascinated me about this tournament, by the way, that this is just a, basically a single elimination version of the G1 in the sense that the winner gets a oh, IWGP title shot, shot as well. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to look at this big picture like, who's next? Yeah. It, I, and, I, and I'm I'm looking at Juice. I'm just looking at Juice Robinson going, well, it's kind of it's his time. Well, but he's the North American champion right now. Actually, you know whose time it is? And this is not because I'm a Pitbull 141 bite everything fan. He, she? Yeah. He's he's yeah. they've been actually saying in a lot of places that he beat champions within the last year and has never had a title shot. I could see this coming down to like an Ishii or Ibushi or and, an Ishii or and Naito. Here's the thing. Ishii could do it's a kind of a secondary show. They get the title shot on kind of like Zack Sabre last year uh, against Okada. I could see Ishii going against Jay White in a in a secondary show and losing, but at least getting a title shot. You know, the Pitbull finally getting his title shot. So yeah. I could actually see Ishii pull this off or they could take a flyer and have Tana win the whole thing and Tanahashi gets a rematch by winning the cup. I don't I, there's a lot of ways out of this, which is means it's going to be exciting to keep an eye on the New Japan Cup as it plays out. Uh finally the New Japan Anniversary Day special is coming up on the 6th before the cup even begins and we're going to have a champion versus champion match. Never open weight champion Will Ospreay is going heavyweight and facing Jay White. This is just a it's just a exhibition match. No titles will change hands, but that's going to be an amazing exhibition between these two guys. I'm very excited about that match. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm just excited to see Will Ospreay fight heavyweight at any time. It's a different exactly. style for him, so I love seeing him do that. Also at the same show, uh, Jushin, Thunder Liger, Living Legend, versus Taiji Ishimori, Bone Soldier, for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. That's going to be good. Also, Shingo Takagi and Bushi defend the uh, the the junior heavyweight tag team titles against Show and Yo Rapongi 4K. That'll probably be a baller match as well. And in final news for New Japan, remember Nick Miller, member of the Mighty from uh, NXT. Oh the yeah, he just joined Chaos. He's now a member of New <laughs> Japan's Chaos faction. He's uh, there along with Will Ospreay and and Okada and a bunch of those guys. So, hey. Look at Nick Miller doing all right for himself. Yeah, going on no his own and, and having something to do. So very cool stuff there. So happy to see that from him. And that wraps it up for New Japan this week, which means, Nick, it's time for our listener questions. Yes. Guys, if you want to get in on the listener questions every single week, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for that $5 monthly tier or higher if you want some bonus episodes as well. Uh, And you can get in every single week, four plus shows per month, and get in your questions that we'll answer right here on the show. Just like Lionel Hernandez, who asks, 
First of all, I know everyone says this, but I feel like I have to say it too. Wonderful job. I never miss an episode. You got me hooked like Mojo Aww. to his mirror. That's Thank awesome. Thank you very much, you, Lionel. I appreciate that. That's actually a little Much scary. Love. Wait, that's a little scary. Mojo to his mirror? That's a that's a I'm a little I'm a little scared now. Mirror mirror on the wall. Who's the greatest wrestling podcast of them all? Oh, <laughs> uh, don't, anyway, don't, don't bite that apple. Don't bite that apple. Last last raw we saw Roman Reigns come back, which it was cool. We missed the big dog. I agree. Uh, I hate the fact that everyone is saying that his cancer was a work. I did some research and I found out that there are some leukemia treatments that don't make you lose weight or hair, but still it's kind of weird, his fast recovery. What do you guys think? Uh, Ian, we covered this at the top of Raw, but uh, I think it might be worth restating again. I, in no way, shape, or form do I think this is a work. There's just way, even Vince McMahon, this might be below him. So I, I don't think there's any way that this is a work. To your point, Ian, you you said you said that they they might be overstating or overacting the uh, the the fact of it, but fake cancer, no way. I really, yeah, I I want to believe that there's no way they could sink so low that they would fake entirely fake a cancer story. Um, it's yeah. definitely not out of the realm of possibility that he could come back this fast. It does seem awful quick. It does seem convenient. But as we said earlier in the show, it doesn't, it's not outside of the realm of possibilities. So we're going to, like, unless someone comes out with some information, some actual real solid information and not just speculation, we're going to have to take them at their word. And I will be happy to take them at their word because I don't want to imagine a world where they would do that. Yeah. No, no, uh, no hot takes from uh, ringside news or kayfabe news or any of those kinds of, anyway. Thank you for the question, Lionel. Uh, Will James asks us, do you think the U.S. triple threat was a way to introduce Ray and Andrade Cien Almas to the title so they can take it before <laughs> Mania, or does Truth actually get to do something with this title? Ian, I'll let you take that one. I, I think that it was a way to introduce Ray and Andrade Cien Almas to the title picture, uh, which I think is legit. They earned it after their baller matches that they had week after week on SmackDown for a while there. So I'm glad that they're involved in it. Like we said in the SmackDown segment, I worry that our truth might just be a placeholder here, which is too bad because again, he's been super entertaining every time he's come out. He's gotten himself back over within the last six months by just being given an opportunity to go out there and show what he can do on TV. You know what I mean? Like he's been, it's been kind of the same R-Truth shtick for years, but yet it still works. It's still, he finds fun things to do with it. You know, the, the kind of clueless guy thing that he does, it's, it, he does it in a way that's really endearing. So if he were to be kept in the title picture, if he were to be kept in this feud, I'd be okay with it. Ultimately though, I think it will come down to Ray and Andrade Cien Almas because that, you know, one-on-one is going to be a hotter take. And I think yeah. that I think that at a certain point, our truth will step aside, and it will become between those two guys. I can distinctly remember the moment that our truth hooked me again, and it was when he was saying that he had to beat Carmella to get a title shot. <laughs> it wasn't the dance. He break. had me. He <laughs> absolute before the dance break, before any of the stuff. That the whole thing when Carmella was taunting the other ladies about being the champion, that he was going to go after Carmella to get his title shot. He had me. Hook, line, and sinker right there, and I've been with him ever since. It wasn't when he called, uh, was it Lana? Or who did he call mean Carmella? He called He called Lana. Uh, no, I thought it was, oh, no, it was Maurice. It was Maurice. It was Maurice. Uh, yeah. Was it Maurice? It was Miz and Maurice. He came up to Miz and Maurice oh, yeah, backstage. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And uh, you're you're mean Carmella or something. Mean Carmella. Oh, that was gold. Uh, Anyway, I I agree with what you just said, Ian, uh, about this is all about Ray and Andrade Cien Almas. But I have a small skeptical fear that they might kind of joke this a little bit in the sense that Ray and Andrade can never get the title off of our truth. He's always going to find a way to sneak away with it. I'm, I'm just I, mm, That'd be f- this need. This needs to be about Andrade and Ray. Agreed. This, if you have a little uh, if bit, they make this about our truth sneaking away every time. It's going to spoil everything. I, I kind of agree too. As much as I would like to see that, that entertaining aspect of it, at some point it has to get serious, and that means yep. it to take our truth out of the picture. Yes. Sad to say. Agreed. Sad to say, but that's the case. Thank you, Will, for the question. Uh, next up, Dominic Jacques uh, with DIY air quotes back together. Uh, and Gargano losing his title, do you think we are going to complete the circle and, he's just going to put it out here, have them win the Dusty Rhodes Classic? Gargano turns back on Ciampa afterwards and goes on to grab the belt at TakeOver Brooklyn. Or is it Cold Time Baby? Hmm. Honestly, given how strong they've booked them, I see Black and Ricochet as going deeper in the Dusty Rhodes Classic. I actually see DIY falling apart in it because again, you need to have time to try and build up for a Gargano versus Ciampa match again at takeover in New York. That's what I'm sensing. So I think that them not having success in the dusty roads classic with what they've been building, right? The whole thing that they've been building is you only have success with me, Johnny. Well, if they all of a sudden don't win a match and they're out of the dusty roads classic, that's going to undo that perception of Johnny's and maybe the veil will fall aside. He'll realize what a leech Ciampa really is. That bald bastard. You son of a bitch! Uh, and then he will actually want to go for Ciampa's title. He's like, oh, you, you tricked me, Ciampa. I'm coming for your title. So I actually see DIY not going that deep in the, uh, in the, in the Dusty Rhodes Classic and uh, falling apart. So that's, 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 that's the my w- hot take. The way this ends is with Johnny Gargano with the NXT Championship. The way this whole story ends before they ever go up, well, Johnny Gargano is going to get that NXT championship. That means they can't win the D- the Dusty Classic, and that they do have to fall apart. So I, I agree with you there. It's it's not. I don't think they're going to win the Dusty Classic. Frankly, I'm I'm all but sure they're not going to win the, the Dusty Classic because I got little Jackson Riker on Forgotten Sons. Oh, on the stop! Mind. Get out of here with that. I'm God, I'm just saying. Duh. I'm we, just saying. Can we get through one show without you mentioning Jackson Riker and your your disgusting crush on him? You heard it here first. God. Um. No. So yes. To, to answer Dominique Jacques' question, man, can we get back to the question here? Sure. Um. No. I I think that I I don't know. I, you know, he actually mentions is it coal time for the championship? And I think it might be. I think it might be something where somehow Cole gets uh, in, involved in the main title picture because Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa are getting called up. You know, and I can't see Gargano getting the championship if they're both going to be on Raw. So as much as that would finish out the storyline, maybe there's something, there's something happens and Cole takes it and both of them move up to the main roster. But I, I, I don't, will lose my shit if they don't finish this story before they call them up. Yeah, well, you might... Might have to get a diaper. So uh, what else we got as far as questions there, Nick? Uh, thank you, Dominic, for the question. Really good one. Uh, Jacob uh, Juhas, I'm going to pronounce that. Please tell me if that's uh, not the right way to do it. Uh, he asks, I know it is a little ways out, 
But with the four NXT call-ups last week and all of the returns of superstars this week, what are they going to do <laughs> for the Raw and SmackDown immediately after Mania? Uh, I knew where he was going. <laughs> they kind of did shoot their wad, didn't they? Yep. Aye, chicken and egg, aye, guys. Aye. Chicken and egg. Uh, well, I think they're going to bring up Shayna Baszler in the uh, three of the four horsewomen. That's, I think that's one. That's my hot take. Um, yep. That's one of them. I think that... They, what they may do is slow play these guys a little bit more and then have them like, like I think the raw after mania might be leading up to a superstar shakeup or unification. I think what they might do because they've got raw and SmackDown now going to different networks, they might reunify the brands in order to have all the superstars on both shows. Agreed. So I think that's the kind of more the angle that they'll take as opposed to calling up new superstars. Although it wouldn't surprise me if they brought up Shayna Baszler and the Four Horsewomen reunite. With the idea that the, we're going to the networks in October-ish, that gives us a good six months after Mania to have a unification. And I really think that they're going to consolidate everything, have everybody on both shows, both titles able to move across both shows. And we're going to have that for six months after Mania before the brands take off to their own individual networks, probably another draft segment of some sort. Yeah, I think we're going to see a unification. I don't know if the focus is going to be on call-ups. I, I, don't, I think they've done that already. They shot their wand. So, they, that's literally like I Other I than agree. the four horsewomen angle, I, I don't really see much. Anybody, anybody else really coming up yeah. at this point. Yep. I, Dream maybe, but I think he's probably going to go get the title I, at some point. Uh, I'm so scared of them bringing up Dream. Yep. I hope Triple H is holding on to him like a blue chip. I swear to God. Yep. Jacob, thank you very much for the question. Last but certainly not least, Mr. Eric Elledge. He asks, with all of the call-ups and new hires in creative, good point, good, good reminder there, one has to wonder if this is a reaction to the speed of which AEW sold out double or nothing. What are our thoughts on this? Interesting point. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it has nothing to do with the speed at which they sold out double or nothing. I think that AEW has been on their minds for a while now, at least in some sense. I don't think that they're looking at them as being a direct threat in the sense of mid-90s WCW, but they certainly are looking at them as being a legitimate competitor. And so in that sense, it's why they've started stepping up their game on signing as many people as possible in the last nine months or so when it's been rumored that this is going to happen. And it's also why they've done uh, the best they can to lock down people's contracts in the last couple of months. I think the actual speed at which Double or Nothing sold out is a secondary or tertiary uh, element as far as how they're looking at this because they already knew this was going to be competition. Now it just establishes that it's relatively significant competition, but at the same time, you can also step back and say, look, that's their first show. Let's see how fast they sell out their fifth show, their tenth show. It's ju they're just getting started. They have a long road to go before WWE actually looks at them and says, we're genuinely concerned about how fast they're selling out shows. And concerned about what, if you don't mind me asking? Because we got a couple of minutes here. What what do you think they would actually... Because isn't the idea to have more wrestling all the time? Doesn't doesn't them being successful perpetuate their own success uh, in WWE by bringing more fans potentially to the product? I don't think there's... The people that are watching WWE today are probably 
more likely to go watch both than they are to completely abandon one for the other. I would actually somewhat disagree with that because there's only so many hours in the week to consume content. And WWE already has done such a good job of creating a massive glut of content that you and I barely have the ability to keep up on on a week-to-week basis, let alone all the other content that's out there. So it's, it's, and it's one reason, frankly, why I think people tune into podcasts like ours, Nick, is to get a digest of what's going on in the week, and then they can pick up piece by piece what they can see here or there, whether it's the pay-per-views or whatever. So the, having more stuff out there, no, it's if people are going to remain focused on the thing that they like the most, and if AEW is giving them something that they like better than WWE, people might tend to focus on that. It's the same theory as the Monday Night Wars. Who's getting the eyes? Who's getting the most eyes? Who is getting the only eyes from certain people? So yeah. they, they definitely want to look at that. Also, in that sense, Vince has never looked at competition as just being, oh, it's, it, having competition is good for everybody. He's always looked at it as if someone is on my level and directly challenges me, I must eradicate them or buy them out. They're taking money out of my pocket. Correct. In, in a, in a Absolutely. Sense, yeah. He does not want to have direct competition. So anyone who comes along and poses a legitimate challenge to him, he's going to look at it as something that he has to fight against. And that's just business. That's just basic sociopathic business 101. So if he's looking at AEW in the sense of, They're taking potential talent from me and they're taking potential eyes from me. And they're also currently at a, at a position where they're popular enough to, to Eric's point, sell out a show this fast while we're having trouble filling house shows and pay-per-views for that matter. That's going to be something that's on their radar. Now to the level that it's on their radar, I don't think it's to the point where they're like, Oh, we got to keep hiring people and bring up talent and everything to, to compensate specifically for that. I think it's an overall mentality that they're having right now where we have to be prepared for this thing to happen and we have yeah. to be at a level. We have to up our game and they they had to have been concerned about the falling ratings and the d- attendance numbers. So I, I think that there is definitely an aspect of me. If you listen to our, our bitch session about them calling up the, uh, the NXT guys last week, uh, we definitely, that's probably the most down on WWE. You and I have been in a long time because it was hot shotting. It was blatant hot shotting, and it was career assassination for some of these guys. And some of the guys they have on the main roster, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to do it, and it felt like a knee-jerk reaction that they shouldn't have had. Yeah. So I, They ruined what could have been an amazing Raw after, after Mania. They looked at the short term instead of the long term, and that's very dangerous. And frankly, if there was a weak point in WWE's business strategy, I would say it's the fact that they still rely on the whims of one man to determine their company policy and their creative. Uh, that's very dangerous. And again, I will I will praise Vince when praise is due, and I will criticize him when criticism is, is relevant. And in this particular case, it's relevant because Vince sometimes makes some absolutely boneheaded decisions. And I'm not saying that because I'm getting worked by the kayfabe angles he's putting on TV where he's making boneheaded decisions and it's, ha-ha, isn't he making boneheaded decisions and they're trying to meta-kayfabe it. No, he legit makes some dumb decisions sometimes. And it's detrimental to his company and to creative and to the product he puts out. So, yeah. The last little thing I want to throw in here is that don't get worked by this whole idea of tickets being sold out. This is a tried-and-true practice in any venue for any event to only offer a limited amount 
And you'll see over the next couple of months as we get closer to the event. Oh, just uh, we magically got a, an extra batch of you know two thousand tickets. Yeah, uh, here they are. It's, another sale. It's worth noting that uh, that just so that they could have the marketing message. My God, we sold out in four minutes. Yeah, there's a lot of other places, secondary ticket sellers that they that they hold tickets for that yeah. they don't sell those tickets. For example, uh, Access already has their own secondary ticket site. You know, for oh, you're, we're free. if you want to buy back tickets from some other people, then you can go to this site. Um, and also, they released so many during the pre-sale; they probably sold out a lot of it in the pre-sale, which doesn't really count as four minutes. So, yeah, yeah as far Try as going to a WWE event and getting ramp tickets, yeah, as far as this or ringside tickets, well, it just I, doesn't happen. I still want to know the trick that uh, long-haired dude and green shirt guy get to get the front row. Every single time. That's that's a that's some magic right there. That's some witchcraft. But that being said, getting back to Eric's question, um, I I don't think it's not a reaction to, to AEW. I don't think it's directly a reaction to them selling out the show that quickly because they know how it works, as you said, Nick, with how shows quote sell out. But yeah. the interest is there from fans, and they absolutely see that as a threat, and they have been taking measures. Um, they, they have been acting differently than they normally would because of AEW. You also have to look at the kind of the meta, the macro of the of the industry right now. Like you were saying, there, it's it's a combination of things. It's just not one event really. Look at the success of All In. It was fantastic and it was raved about. Uh, it also sold out. Look at uh, the ratings currently on Raw and SmackDown. Kind of down, especially well, Raw, right? Raw was actually it, up this week. It was the highest Raw rating in six months this week. SmackDown was... Because of Ric Flair's birthday advertising Smackdown, that we saw three seconds of backstage. Well, and Roman coming back, frankly. And uh, SmackDown was... Yeah, that too. SmackDown was up in the 18 to 49 demographic, but down overall. So... Huh. Oh well. But anyway, everyone, thank you so much for your questions. As every week, we love getting the questions from the from you guys and and responding to them and hearing what you, what's on your guys' minds. And if you are not a member of our Patreon and you want to ask us questions, please go to patreon.com forward slash bwo. Sign up for our our five dollar tier, and you can get your questions answered right here on our podcast, Busted Wide Open. Nia Shrine count, by the Uh-oh, way. Oh, where are we at? Currently at 16 patrons. Oh, we're only we're four away? Four we're away. Four, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not aware, if we get to 20 patrons, uh, which is a, a low number, Nick. We have a long way to go. But if we get just only a mere 20 patrons, only four more, Nick will have to build a Nia Jack shrine in his room, in his, rec- in his recording studio that we can I all will see. Live, I, here's, here's a little bonus I'll throw up there. If we get it done before Mania, right? you got... About 30, 30, 40 days. If we get it done before Mania, I will do a Facebook live stream in the Busted Wide Open discussion group of yes. me putting the items on the wall. Let it begin! Yes! Come at me. Yes, I can't What wait. do you got? I can't wait. Well, hey, Ian, that's uh, we're not done yet. Uh, we have to finish the show off, as we always do, with a little bit of other news and notes in our lightning round. Lightning round, okay. Beep, 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 beep. Here I go. I... We should have put this in the big news at the top, but there wasn't enough time. Honky Tonk Man will be the second inductee into the Hall of Fame this year. Oh. The greatest intercontinental champion of all time. I'm just, <clears> I'm <throat> just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's, he's, he's a, yeah, he was an intercontinental champion. But no, Honky Tonk Man, one of the great heels of all time. Man, he could make anybody angry. If you're wondering what his shtick was, it's basically Elias, only instead of 
being as an Elvis impersonator, as an Elvis impersonator, in, in, yeah. instead of being Bra- <laughs> instead of being Bradley Cooper from A Star Is Born, he was an Elvis impersonator. That that was the honky right. tonk man. So he's going to enter the Hall of it, Fame this year. I think it's absolutely- at least those two di- two guys can absolutely actually play guitar, right? Whereas Honky couldn't. I was that was no. part of his gimmick. Was, was hilarious. Right. Are you even talented at all? Um. Anyway, so honky tonk man to the Hall of Fame. Very cool. He's definitely deserving. Uh, Bea Priestley from Stardom and also known as being the uh, the significant other half of Will Ospreay has signed with AEW. Bea, Bea Priestley's going to AEW. Bea Priestley going to AEW. Confirmed here for real this time. For real this time. Uh, also, let's see another news. Madison Rain. Uh, you might know her as Ashley Rain. She was just in this last year's. Uh, May Young Classic. She has officially left Ring of Honor as a mutual dis- agreement for her to leave Ring of Honor. Nick, would you like to do the honors? Ashley Ray's going to AEW. Hey, you know what? She could. She's not not unlikely. You heard it here first. They, they need more female superstars over there, they so do. I wouldn't doubt it. I, and on, honestly, like all joking aside, it wouldn't surprise me if this was her yeah, making She would making be a play. good ad. Yep, she would. And uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's worked with those guys before. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, also, speaking of people who are on All In, Nick Aldis, current uh, NWA heavyweight champion, defeated Shane Strickland, who you might know as uh, Killshot from Lucha Underground, and uh, he's currently over in Evolve as well, uh, defeated Shane Strickland to retain his NWA title. So Nick Aldis, still your NWA heavyweight champion. Not really sure who's going to take it off of him at this yeah, point. Yeah, I wanted to believe that Killshot had a chance, but he didn't have a chance. Uh, no, no, Shane Strickland didn't have a chance. <laughs> Come on. No way. Uh, let's see over in progress. Progress wrestling is going to unify its heavyweight belt and its Atlas title on May 5th. The Atlas title is kind of like the, it's like the opposite of a cruiserweight title. You have to be over a certain weight to have it. The current holder of the Atlas title title is Walter and they're, of course he is, of course he is. And the current heavyweight champion is Trent seven. So Walter versus Trent seven on May 5th to unify the progress titles over in NXT UK. We have some new signees. They signed five new people. They signed uh, Ilya Rukober, also known as Ilya Dragunov, one of the greatest European wrestlers in the world right now. I can't wait for you guys to see what he can do in the ring. They also signed Kaylee Ray, who you might remember from the Mae Young Classic. Jazzy Gabbert, also known as yes. Alpha, Alpha Female. She's finally healthy again, and she's finally coming back to WWE after her appearance in the first Mae Young Classic and getting, getting totally over there. Also, Oliver Sauter and Jay Melrose, primate. Primate, Jay Melrose, they're all coming to NXT UK. That's some great stuff. A lot of future stars there. They're definitely stacking that brand. I'm so glad that they're doing that. In NXT UK news, Pete Dunne, it has been announced, will have a title match at NXT TakeOver New York for his UK championship. Right now, all signs point to the big Austrian himself, Walter. So you heard it here. Dear God. It's... it's, (laughs) It's all but confirmed. They just haven't, I don't think, confirmed it on the TV show yet, but come on. There's, we've said it before. After this insanely long reign of Pete Dunn's, no one else is anywhere near at the level of Walter to be able to take it legitimately off of him. So you heard Walter versus Pete Dunn. It's pretty much all but a lock at NXT TakeOver New York. That's going to be a fan-freaking-tastic match. Y'all. And I hope they give them time and they hope they work the long match because when Walter takes it off of him, finally somebody does and it's deserving and it's warranted and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a big deal. They've had great matches before uh, over yeah. in Europe. So I, I, I'm looking forward to everyone getting a chance to check this out. It's going to be on TakeOver, so it's going to be good. You just know it. Uh, EC3. Oh, boy. 
EC3. You know, we didn't have time to get to this during the show, but that's about right for EC3 right now because they don't have time to get to him on the main roster. He's jobbing to <laughs> Apollo Crews on main event. Just wanted to, to throw that out there in case y'all weren't oh, aware. Boy. EC3 has gone from trading wins with Dean Ambrose and not being allowed to speak on the mic, his, his greatest asset, <laughs> putting him out there to die. Well, he's gone to main event now and he's losing to Apollo Crews, so... Ouch, 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 mm. ouch, ouch. Mm. And finally, finally, uh, Naomi, as you may recall, recently got into a bit of an incident with the cops, with her husband, Jimmy. Uh, so she finally came out and explained it on Twitter. She said, I was not ticketed. I was not drinking. I was leaving the lot, and I was unaware that it exited to a one-way street. It was dark. There was snow. There was no signs and no traffic. She was pulled immediately over. She made a mistake, and she owns it. And as for my husband, he's more of a man than you'll ever be, and I'll leave it at that. So you had me until you said that last bit. <laughs> you know, I, I, that's kind of where I was too. I'm like, I, okay, I can I can understand everything, but Jimmy getting out of the car, taking off his shirt at an officer. Sorry, I, I can understand all of that. That being said, that might be my privilege speaking. I don't know. I wasn't actually there. We weren't actually there. We don't know if these officers were actually being out of line. So. And I'm I, honestly, I'm also all for Jimmy being a man when it comes to his wife and getting out there. And if, if he felt like she was being mistreated, we weren't there. It's quite possible it could have happened. I'll I'll, sure. I'll play devil's advocate on this. So sure. I'll, I'll, I'll I will say Naomi explained it. It sounds like it was just a silly mistake, and that it makes sense because the Usos did win the tag title shortly after that. So, but but public service announcement. If if you want to get shot, take a shirt off, square up with a cop. That's how you get shot. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Don't do that shit. I haven't been shot yet. I haven't been shot. <laughs> I don't yet. care how big of a man you are. You know, I haven't been shot yet, and I've never taken my shirt off at a cop. So I'm not saying there's a correlation, <laughs> but I'm not not saying there's a correlation. Two plus two. I've just thrown that out there, ladies and gentlemen. On, that has been our show for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us once again. I'm busted wide open. We're always happy to have this show for you. Please come back and check us out next week. We're going to have the go-home shows for Fastlane, and it's going to be, if this week was any indication, it's going to be very exciting, and I'm looking forward to making that show for you guys as well. Well, in in those words, be sure and come over and join the Facebook discussion group so you can get in on the live chat for Fastlane on Sunday March 10th. You definitely don't want to miss out on that. We had over, what was it, over 40 people live chatting at the same time. We were up to, during, uh, we were at, the, at yeah. the highest, we were at like 60-something. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was up, yeah, big times. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, for joining. We're, growing. we're getting to we're be little, a lot growing. of fun. We're growing, Nick. Uh, so be sure and come over to the Busted Wide Open Discussion Group on Facebook to be a part of that, because that is the only place you can find it. We're over on Twitter at BWO Podcast. Be sure and give us a follow over there on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted wide open be sure to subscribe to the youtube channel and last but certainly not least patreon.com slash bwo sign up for one of our awesome reward tiers we love all of our patrons doing our best to get caught up on all those bonus episodes for you guys oh we got, we got some, some good new ones. ones coming we got some good very ones. soon yes we got, I, i'm looking forward to it man i got some i got some good ideas yes but i'm nick howell you can find me on twitter at data center dude and i am sir ian dangerous you can find me on twitter at sir ian dangerous bye Would somebody stop the damn mask?
But wait, not yet. Actually, Nick, I, before we go, I, 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 I'll see if anyone listens this far. I want to see if anyone listens this far into the show. I know that's our, our call sign to say goodbye, but I want to ask you something. Okay. How does the big show order his steaks? Uh, well, oh boy. Good night, everybody. This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.